Hello and welcome to another episode of the Big MX Radio Podcast. I wanted to first and foremost take a moment to thank both Chris Riesenberg and Denny Stevenson for making time for not only this preview, but the 450 preview as well. I hope you guys took some time to listen to that and are enjoying these long-form podcasts that I've done with both Chris and Denny. These guys are absolute superstars when it comes to breaking down the sport. They've been around it for way too long, and uh, honestly, they should know better. But regardless, I think uh, we really did a great job breaking this whole thing down. There's a lot of guys to go through. Um, especially the 250 class, obviously, uh, the class is split up into two. So you really have essentially two different classes to break down. And we did it in less time than we did the 450s, um, with lots of factory rides and quite a few unknowns. Uh, it is quite the challenge to sort of, uh, unpack all of these guys and, uh, and figure out how they're going to all going to sort themselves out over the next 17 weeks, or I guess 19 weeks, because there's two weekends off. Um, but I think we did our best. Um, just want to like precurse this whole thing with letting everybody know that um, as far as to our best knowledge, um, the the coast these guys are racing on is was basically we based that off of the information that we've been given or read online up to this point. And if we we're wrong about one, we apologize about that. But uh, to be honest, when it comes to 250 Supercross, there is uh, not nearly as much information out there uh, as maybe there should be. And some of the teams uh, were doing their press releases for who's on the team as recently as just a couple of days ago. So that can make things very, very tricky when it comes to uh, breaking this whole thing down. So hopefully you guys are enjoying uh, these long-form uh interview style uh, podcasts that we're doing. Uh, really enjoy doing them. Uh, Chris is fantastic with his numbers and he, yeah, he's really good at breaking things down. And, uh, and Denny is just, he's an icon of the sport. Like, uh, like he's the champion. He's a guy who came up through the ranks. He uh, has a different perspective than either Chris or I can really offer. And uh, he, he's got, uh, and he's still crazy about this stuff. And uh, hopefully you guys will be playing uh, Fantasy Motocross, Fantasy Supercross with us. Um, that would be really exciting as well. Uh, if you're interested, I have a, the Big MX Radio Official League is available on pulpamex.com, uh, pulpamexfantasy.com. Uh, and then I've also started a league on uh mxd360.com which is denny's uh baby that's uh, his fantasy game that we're gonna be playing as well looking forward to the, for anyone who's interested in that you can always direct message me with your team name and i will add you to the league and we've got some prizes to be won on top of that I want to give a quick shout out to a few of the sponsors that make these podcasts happen. Uh, you've got Phoenix Handlebars. Jason Gerald over at Phoenix Handlebars has always been so generous with my listeners and supplying them with uh, with prizes and uh, a discount code, 15% off every single purchase. Big MX15 is that discount code. Uh, same thing with uh, Guts Racing, Andy Gregg. They do a fantastic job with their products. Um, I can't, I can't really thank him enough for investing in the Big MX radio podcast and making this whole thing happen. And same thing with John Anderson and Kristen Anderson over at WUSA. In fact, if you go to WUSA and, uh, and mention Big MX radio, when ordering yourself a new set of wheels, they're going to save you some money. And when it comes to buying a new set of wheels and saving money, that can be anywhere from two to $300 on the purchase price of those wheels. So uh, hopefully you guys can uh, um, capitalize on that, save yourself 
some money and get some pretty sick wheels. Like it doesn't have to be a brand new set of uh, wheels with uh, the, the Talon carbon fiber hubs and, and the whole shebang of uh, like the basically the full go. You can have your stock, you can have uh, your built wheels built from your stock hubs all the way up and uh, they do a fantastic job with that as well as they do the edge set of wheels which I think retails for just un for under a thousand dollars US um, and first and foremost they can like buying a new set of wheels for a uh, especially a vintage, not a vintage bike, but a, a bike that's got some time on it you're going to get a little bit more time out of that bike uh, things are going to just feel a lot uh, more secure and uh, obviously you're going to also save some weight uh, and anytime you can save weight on your wheels you're you're going to feel a little bit like you're going to get more horsepower out of the bike because the the bike's not having to uh, work as hard to spin the wheels um, they also do vintage wheels and uh, they do a great job of that as well fox racing canada on board with us uh, as always they're coming out with new stuff all the time that's essentially how they market themselves is by coming out with new and interesting looks uh, and one of the things i love about fox is they actually usually come out with some of their most iconic setups throughout the year in some of their uh like as far as their like the most budget conscious uh lines like you found last year uh one of the most iconic looks that was available was actually a 180 look uh that um Adam C. and Solo was racing. And I actually love the, the 180 pants. I think they're great. So uh, anyway, you guys have yourselves a great rest of your day. Hopefully uh, you're enjoying these podcasts. Hopefully you'll leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. Uh, you got to listen to a few episodes on Spotify before they'll allow you to uh, leave a rating. And if we haven't uh, if we haven't worked hard enough for a five-star rating, don't give it to us. Give us a fair rating. And, uh, and hopefully that uh, we can continue to grow this thing and control and continue to uh, um, spread the word about motocross and celebrate the community and everything that goes along with that. Uh, thank you so much for making the time to listen. And now let's break open the show and break down the 250s for 2023. All right, boys. <clears throat> Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast and here live on YouTube. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. This podcast and all of these shows are brought to you by Fox Racing Canada, Phoenix Handlebars, Guts Racing, some of the best seats in the business, whether it's a seat base, seat foam, or those amazing seat covers. They have you absolutely covered. They've got great, great products for you to go to on the website. Get yourself checked out. Andy Gregg will take care of you or his amazing team. And same thing with WUSA. In fact, if you mention Big MX Radio when checking out through Big M or through WUSA, or if you're just getting a brand new set of wheels built from your stock hubs, you're going to save some money by mentioning Big MX Radio. Um, thanks for making some time to listen to the, the, this podcast. Really, been trying to. We've been going back and forth trying to get this thing ironed out. Schedules are hard over the holidays, but we finally nailed these two guys down. And I'll start off with a guy who actually has a 1E up on his wall somewhere, or at least it's in my heart. And that is another, none other than the 1990 East Coast 125 Supercross champion. He is the 1E of Denny Stevenson. Denny, how's it going? Good, Brad. Thanks for having me again. We're looking forward to this 250 review and yeah, it's been a long time since I've raced this series, but um, I understand kind of the mindset. We moved in and out a little faster, a lot more, uh, a lot more support in the class here in 2023. So uh, looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. And uh, there is no reasoning with him. He's got arguments with with facts and stats to back them up. 
and uh, and he's representing not only uh, air wheelies everywhere, but also race tech. That's none other than Checkers, Chris Riesenberg. Checkers, how's it going? Dude, I'm so excited. It might have been Christmas last week, but Christmas for me is maybe this Saturday night. Anaheim won Supercross. I absolutely can't wait. Can't wait to do some bench racing. And speaking of guts racing, I think Denny's going to need a new seat because he needs to get a grip because he is completely <laughs> clueless. And we'll talk about it. Absolutely. And then that's that's really what comes down to it. You've got the expert opinion of one Denny Stevenson, but he seems to be on a perpetual uh, like a picnic because the guy's out to lunch every single day of the week. <laughs> I yes. do like my lunches, but uh, yes, I, I, I don't quite carry the facts with the 250 class coming in as checkers like to throw numbers. Uh, I'd like to go off more just how I think these guys are going. Checkers wants to throw out wins from 2021 to, to 2018 or 2020 to 2018. It's my personal opinion. If you haven't won a race since uh, 2021, they're irrelevant because these kids are constantly growing, constantly evolving. And if you're getting older in a class where the kids are getting younger, you're just going backwards. So we'll talk about that more. Checkers and I definitely have some opinions on this. And uh, let's just take it off with this uh, 2.50 West class showing up here this Saturday night, which I want to wish everybody happy New Year's and cannot wait. Like Checker said, it is Christmas for us all. Rubbing our hands together. The gate is about to drop on the 2023 Supercross season. 250 class always creates nothing but drama. There is irregularities within their results. There's guys going up. There's guys going down. The LCQ, I don't know if I'm more excited about supercross in general or just that we're going to have lcqs again because that is like the gift that keeps on giving there is not a single lcq throughout the entire supercross series 250s or uh, 450s that isn't isn't always fireworks uh but 250s seem to like pull through on that more often than not um but let's talk about a guy who has almost no chance of being in an lcq this year he is the favorite across the class and and lucky for these guys he's gonna be out of there by the time the outdoors co- comes around let's talk about the leader of team honda on the 250 for 2023 leading into things jet lawrence he'll be racing on the west coast and uh yeah i think he, you'd be crazy not to think he's a title favorite um uh, but checkers i'll give you the floor man this guy's a really impressive specimen yeah, absolutely. I don't think that too many people will argue that Jet Lawrence is the favorite going into the series. And it didn't matter who lined up with him on either coast that he lined up on. He's going right back to a bike that he won on last year, was really familiar with. In 16 of the 17 races last year, there was a Lawrence brother on the podium in Supercross. That is absolutely unreal. Jet has finished outside the top 10 only three times. Two times in three seasons. He was 100% podium percentage last year with four wins. If Jet Lawrence isn't your title favorite, well, you've been living under a rock. You might not like the guy because he gets a lot of press. I absolutely love him. His style's beautiful. He already showed what he can do against the best in the world on a 450 outside. I just wish we could see him more on a 450 in Supercross this year because I think the 250 West class will likely be a cakewalk for him. Couldn't agree more, honestly. Like, yeah, um, I would have to agree with Checkers. I mean, everyone does that. It, yeah. It's honestly, it's, it's it's championship or bust. Like, uh, not that he like, and almost it's added pressure on Jet Lawrence. Is that this is the fourth year that he's been in the class? Of course, he got hurt at Anaheim too. The the second or yeah, I think it was uh, San Diego. It was Anaheim too. Gets hurt the first year. Comes back. Uh, COVID weird year where they're going three races here, <laughs> two races there. 
really odd season. And then last year he was just dominant. We haven't seen a guy at his level race four different championship series on a 250. And I don't expect him to be anywhere off the podium aside from if, if he has something like a, a total catastrophe catastrophe. He, um, he will be the fastest guy in qualifying most often than not. And honestly, he's also smart enough to back it down when he doesn't have it. Uh, so his, his worst finish is going to be like a third and, and that's how you win a, a 250 championship. Can he win them yeah, all? I mean, he, he has some of his, he has some, you know, I think he's a better outdoor rider than he is supercross, but you know, he yep. seems to be head and shoulders above a lot of these guys, but he has two of the fastest guys in his class in Austin Forkner and Cameron McAdoo. Um, you know, he spent a lot of, a couple of times on the ground in first turns. I don't, you know, he has the speed with these two other guys. I think Forkner and McAdoo can run his pace when they need to. They've just yet to prove they can do it for a full season where Jet has proven that. So once again, Jet is obviously the favorite coming in. Um, other than some horrible mistakes, some brain fart that, that might happen, but he's pretty much a season better at this point. So it, it's pretty easy to give Jet the, uh, the number 18 and swap that thing for number one come, uh, come Salt Lake City. Absolutely. He'll be one of the few guys that uh, has a, a championship on both coasts, unless uh, there's some unforeseen uh, like some. Something happens, honestly. I think uh, like he's he's gonna be um, he's got it. Uh, but l- let's stay on Team Honda for a second here. Let's talk about Hunter. Hunter Lawrence, in his own right, continues to improve. Obviously, he's a year and a bit older than than uh, than Jet is. He's got a little bit more time in this class, um, and and his his learning curve has not been as steep as Jet's, but. Honestly, last year, like he really established himself as someone who can consistently be up front. He's a good starter. Um, if he's able to improve on that, I think he he may not have the same advantage or be basically like a um, a shoe in for the title that Jet is on the East. But uh, I think he certainly puts Honda at the the best chance of uh, sweeping both both coasts. What do you think, there, uh, Denny? Yeah, Hunter, I'm a big fan, you know, um, ever since I saw him at Red Bud in 2018, right in the 250 class for Australia, uh, and he's done nothing to uh, persuade me to think otherwise, you know, he's smart, I think he rides a bike very intelligently, he doesn't override the bike, he's one of the few that obviously knows Jet inside and out, and I think he carries that strength and mentality into the races where he's not racing with his brother, uh, he's another podium that's on the podium almost every race. He knows how to manage a series. Um, I would have him as my 250 East favorite right now as well. I think he is the strongest of the of the list out there. And um, I think this will be what I don't know if Honda has swept both regions in a while. Or maybe during Geico they had. But um, for the factory Honda team, this could be a very positive 250 season in Supercross and led by the Lawrence brothers, as we all know. Really, Jaggers? Yeah, I mean, the wave's coming. The last two seasons, Hunter's been second and. I mean, he was really good last year. He just happened to run into a extremely good Christian Craig on a year when the whoops were huge. But Hunter put up quite a fight, nine out of 10 podiums last year, four wins. He has to be the favorite coming in. And it's really, I think, up to Team Honda's Lawrence brothers not to beat themselves. If on paper, they're the favorites, but that's why we run the races. Certainly. And honestly, like these by these guys both have a great opportunity to uh, put a stamp on the 250 class on their way out. Obviously, Jet's going to be in the 450 class last, ne- next year uh, and and uh, Hunter will, will be in the 250s again next year. I think, honestly, Hunter, his, his Hunter's 2024 will essentially mirror 
um jets 2023 like 250 supercross 450 outdoors and then 450 full-time the year after that i think both these guys like you said that like they're going to be their own worst enemies as far as like who's going to beat them i think like the only person that can really stop them is themselves uh but like you guys said we have to run we have to run these races and we'll uh further a little bit down the list we'll get to who can really challenge these guys and push the pace on a week-to-week basis last guy that i want to talk about on uh on team honda obviously chance hymas he's going to focus mainly racing the supercross futures and then possibly some 250 east rounds honestly last year he raced uh the futures and i thought he looked really really strong in fact he had more whoop speed than rider di francesco and he just looks ready i don't i don't know why they would hold this kid out uh i think like i, I can't see any like aside from injury, but these guys could get injured at any moment doing anything when it comes to racing a dirt bike and going really fast. Um, he's riding at the Honda text track. He's doing all that stuff. Um, like, I don't see why this current, like what, what he's going to do this, this winter is any different than just saying, Hey chance you're racing East or West. Doesn't really matter. Uh, no pressure on the results, kid, just stay healthy, get your feet wet, make sure that you're making some progression each week. Uh, but the number on the end of the, on the paper at the end of the day, isn't really all like, don't worry about it and just let him do his thing. I think that would be a smarter approach than what they're currently doing. But I know that there's a big push to want to have more talent and and in deeper fields in the futures. So I don't know what you guys think. Checkers, you can sort of speak to this a little bit, and then Denny can uh, talk on it as well. But I seriously think that it would be that Chance Hymas would be better served by racing the entire series, either East 250 West or 250 East, and and simply uh, just getting those reps. But whatever. You're going to hear a super common theme from myself, and I think Denny and I actually agree on something. That what the heck are these guys doing with their, these programs and why go in for select races? I understand. Let him race the one Supercross Futures race at A2 on the West Coast and then turn him loose in the East. Yes, you're going to have some learning curves, but why do it in like select races in and out? Like, why not build by, hey, go out and get some experience. Like, how long are we going to coddle these kids? He already had a full year of amateurs. He already won the Supercross Futures title. Why does Honda want that Supercross Futures title that badly that they're going to hold out, hold back Chance Hymas? I mean, they're sitting here. He's their guy moving forward. They've invested in him. They have a 250 spot open for him next year. Why not get that first year of experience completely out of the way by having him race a full series? Plus, the dude's showing that he's good in Supercross, better than he has shown outdoors because he didn't do that much last summer. Other than the Supercross Futures, he honestly had a pretty crappy year, I would say. So why not take advantage, let him build some confidence in what he's good at, which is Supercross, and learn through the whole 250 East series. I don't understand what they're doing if they don't line him up at the very first round of 250 East. And then maybe if it's not going that well, then you shorten his schedule. But starting out in the middle of a series is absolutely ridiculous. The same thing we talked about with Justin Cooper on the 450, and we're going to talk about with more of these 250 kids. It's not just Team Honda. It is absolutely ridiculous. You line up and you race. At some point, you got to jump in with both feet and get a little wet. Yeah, I'll keep it real short and sweet here. I, I absolutely agree with Checkers. We've talked about this numerous times. You know, stop coddling these kids. Stop coddling uh, Chance. Stop coddling Ryder D, man. It's time to throw them to the Wolves. And, it, and it's in the Wolves. They have more experience than any most anyone else does. It usually shows up as a rookie. They already have more Supercross experience than Frederick Viale, who's going to be completely thrown to the Wolves. So, yeah. 
fuck it, man. It's time to go racing. Drop the gate. Go, go, go earn your money. Go earn these rides that they've been called for the last two or three years. Brought up from little kids. Yeah, I don't have patience for this little bullshit attitude of just holding on to them, waiting for them. It's time to race, kids. Earn your keep. Yeah, and honestly, it just comes down to, like, when is this kid's rookie year really going to be? Like, okay, we like it's abbreviated this year. This really isn't his rookie year. So then it's next year. Okay, what do we expect from him next year? Uh, like, if he doesn't produce next year, was that like it's just you know, like you just it's a wash because that's his rookie year. So he gets a he gets a pass. So then he's racing in the 250 class until 2025, 20 like 2026. Like, what when are we just going to wait? Like, how long are we going to wait for these kids to just come out and race? And honestly, we're going to get to somebody on a green bike who's basically doing the exact same thing. And I don't think it helps these kids. I don't think it like they're as full blown pro as you're going to be. And whereas like 20 years ago, we expected guys like James Stewart and Ricky Carmichael jump into the big class and go, man, go. You're supposed to be good. Like, and guess what? They did like these these athletes. They've gotten to where they're at because they've produced by every time they move up. So let the, let the big dog eat. Time to go. Yeah. It's time. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's time to, it's time to race. It's time to make something special happen. And same thing, honestly, like this, there's some pressure on almost every single one of these kids on this next team that we're going to talk about uh, on a team that has historically in the last 10 years, roughly at least the last five, six years been perennial favorites for championships and um, they might be coming in with the most inexperienced and tough to really put a pin on uh, lineup. That and that's Star Racing Yamaha. Uh, they've got race winners on the uh, under their tent, but they don't have um, like I, I, I wouldn't say like a guy who's just like, yep, yeah, pencil that guy in for as a championship contender. Not a single one of them. Uh, but someone has to establish themselves. Let's start ourselves off with Nate Thrasher because he's got multiple wins in uh, in the class. Of course, they've, like a couple of them come in some interesting circumstances, including a couple of wins in Atlanta, which was an outside race. But honestly, like Nate Thrasher, let's talk about him. He's going to be good. He's going to be fast. Uh, he's not the best starter in the class. And for that reason, I, I honestly, I think he's going to be probably outside the, the podium more often than not. Um, but he's also got race winning speed. Like I'll send it to you first on this one, Denny, Nate, Nate Thrasher is a big question mark for me because I've seen him be unreal. I've also seen like his, his results are all over the map. He's either 11th or second. I, and I don't, and I don't honestly don't expect him to just be a seventh place guy. I've said the same exact thing to checkers. That's, you know, cause he, he and I talk about which, you know, a little bit, we'll talk about which, which coast or which region is deeper. I've said the exact same thing. Thrasher wins or gets a 10th. You know, he is dependent of his starts. You, you said that right off the bat. Some of his starts aren't great. He wins when he hole shots. The kid is fast. He's got a ton of speed, a ton of uh, talent, and but he cannot come through the pack. You know, he's throwing away some fourth places, some fifth places. Um, when he gets out eighth, he finishes eighth. When he gets out tenth, he, you know, sometimes finishes tenth. Um, it's all dependent on his, you know, on his, where his start is. And again, he's learning, you know, he's one of the young guns, you know, this is what his third year, I think in this, in this class, just like any, in 450s, the third year in, in 250 is kind of where you pick up and start finding things. So if anyone can, uh, he's got to be the favorite on the team. He's got the most wins outside of the old man, uh, J Mart. So, but he's got as tough, tough East coast with Hunter, Moseman, Shimoda, but I can see Thrasher running with Lawrence, if he gets out front, I can see him pulling away from Hunter as well, but I don't see him being there for all 
what nine rounds. I think they run nine or 10 rounds in the East. I think he's, he's a race winner, but he's still not ready to win the title. Well, I think you got one thing, right? That there's a lot of talent in the East. It's, it's real deep. Um, you're completely off base with Nate Thrasher in three quarters of his career starts. He's been in the top 10. He was fifth in points last year. He has three wins and it's his third season. He's getting better. You know, we talk about these kids all the time and we're going to get to a lot of them on this team that they crash their brains out and don't finish the races. Nate Thrasher has been finishing the races and building. If he doesn't have it that night, he doesn't throw himself on the ground and cartwheel and get hurt. And then out of the series. And when it's there, he goes off and wins. Like the guy won the East West showdown to end last year. How much <laughs> is your last race and his last race on a supercross track was a win. I think that he's extremely underrated. And Nate Thrasher is a definite threat for multiple race wins in 2023 Supercross. I didn't say he wasn't. But you didn't say, did you mention, I also mentioned he's not a champ. Uh, he's not in contention. He's not going to win a title, I don't think. Do you think he's going to win a title? I mean, we no, basically I said the same thing. Yeah. So we're on the same page there. So move on. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. No, I, I hear you guys. Like he had, like, would. <laughs> Him winning a race or multiple races on the East Coast this year surprised me. Not at all. Would I would it would I be shocked to find out that he also got an eleventh mixed in there? Um, not at all. So that that usually doesn't add up to a championship. But he's certainly going to like give some of those top guys fits all season long, and he does have a lot of speed. And when he gets a good start, he can literally hang with anybody. Um, let's talk yeah, about a guy that we just, don't. Just hold on one sec. I just love throwing it back. I just love throwing it back at Checker's faces. Face. He's got. A, he's last season got a tenth, a eighteenth, a ninth, a seventh. Those are not going to win titles, buddy. So I appreciate you thinking he's going to win some races, but uh, the East ain't that deep. Let's move on. <laughs> that that is going to be recurring conversation within this within this podcast slash video, and I actually really like it. Um, Let's talk about Levi Kitchen. This is a guy who, like, I don't think there's a guy out there that we know we know less about Supercross-wise. Last year, he came into the first round, did not look very uh, comfortable in on press day, uh, exited that series early, and then he, honestly, he, he looked good outdoors until he got hurt outdoors as well. Um, checkers, I'll let you take the floor on Levi Kitchen. Uh, he came into his out of his rookie season after his rookie after his rookie year. He looked really, really, really solid, and there was a ton of hype around him. That seems to have waned considerably. But is he coming under the ra- coming in under the radar as a guy who could possibly uh, upset the apple cart in the top three on the West Coast, or is is this his rookie year? The guys raced two Supercross races. He has a nine and a 22nd. And I see people all over the place counting him as a title contender. And if you look at his outdoor results, they're not that good. I mean, they're they're good because they're top 10 finishes, but they're not wins over and over again and podiums over and over again. So I just don't I don't buy into the hype. He's got a lot to prove in Supercross. The fact of the matter is his first year he was supposed to race Supercross, got hurt before the season practicing. Last year, races two races, gets hurt. It is his rookie season. He's got a lot to learn. He's got to learn to stay off the ground. And I'm not buying into the hype to even put him anywhere near a title conversation. I think is absolutely ridiculous. So I'm uh, definitely got some Levi Kitchen stock for sale if somebody wants it because I don't want it. <laughs> you don't want. You're not buying the chef, huh? Like, but not, you're not no. grabbing lunch that day. I, I think he's gonna do good. You know, he's he's considered a rookie. He's got a full season outdoors under his belt. Um, I really don't know what kind of Supercross experience he came in. You know, came into. Uh, the whole career of turning pro. I know he started late, started training late with Wyndham and stuff. 
But that ninth and the twenty second, a lot of injuries already. Um, just getting to a full season on here. This, this let's it's a bit mid. It's this is his rookie season, um, and I you know just getting to the to the season healthy, top tens, top fives. Learn what he needs to learn, and uh, and and hopefully you know that's good enough to keep him happy at Bobby's with Bobby uh, and and Bobby Reagan and Star, who seems to ha- turn the page on these poor kids faster than anybody else. So. Um, give the kids some some time and uh, let him learn. And I think Levi will start figuring it out. I don't expect big things out of him. And and I don't mean that insulting. I just say he's young for the class, not age-wise, but experience-wise. And uh, let him just go out and uh, get some experience. And we'll see what he can do in 2024. He's certainly coming in under the radar. Um, next guy on the on the star for my page is uh, Nick Romano. Uh, he's a total rookie in the class. I don't know if he's going to be raising futures or not. Uh, I'd imagine he's going to be East coast. And I don't know if he's if, like, I think all the manufacturers seem to want to have, like everyone's got to have their own select rounds guy. I think, I think he is a, a select rounds guy. I'm not hundred percent sure. Uh, but uh, either way, I honestly, I, this kid, he just needs to stay healthy, show some flashes, get some good starts. And like, he is basically like it, everything I just said about uh, uh, Levi kitchen, Say about Nick Romano, uh, stay healthy and get to the outdoors. Um, more time is needed. He's not done, just like the chef. Well, here's where yeah. the problem comes in. He's riding for a star racing Yamaha team that doesn't really show a lot of patience with guys. He is a true rookie, but he only had one single digit outdoor finish last year. That's definitely yeah. not going to keep his ride. So you want to put him in there and say, just do what Thrasher did and just finish the races and get some top tens and get some experience, which honestly top tens would be good for him. Yeah. But can you do go ahead and do that? And is the team going to give him that opportunity? I mean, he has to have some results and has to feel, start feeling that pressure because they don't sit and wait around. So um, they haven't. There's a lot of guys on the East, like for him to just say, Oh yeah, I'm going to get top tens on the East. Like I think we talked on text today that there's seven or eight different guys that have wins on the East. Like, yeah, there's that, eight that, former race winners on a very deep East Coast. Yeah, East, so, East West is deeper. Top twenty deeper. Let's move on. Anyways, Romano, I think is going to be is it could be going like uh, Jarrett Fry, you know, or uh, Matt LeBlanc. You know, I mean, he. he mm-hmm. I agree with you. He doesn't have the uh, the hype that Levi Kitchen has. That, that, that Bobby, I think, might will stick with a little longer if he doesn't have a great season because Levi's done some pretty good outdoors. But as Checker said as well, Romano has one top ten finish in the outdoors coming in here. He's young. He has little experience, but hasn't really seen to prove much for uh, when it comes to star racing and Bobby Riggin. Again, uh, he might need to prove himself a little bit here to get a little bit uh, more confidence with the team and stuff or, uh, you know, than going to the outdoors. I hate to say it, even though this is his rookie year, things happen so fast. Turnover rate is so quick right now. Um, I, I hope he does better than he does. I don't know anything about him at Supercross and I can't see him running, you know, anywhere. I don't see him top five at all. Just surviving every round, putting all 10 rounds in is would be his goal, I, I believe. Yes. A lot of depth. A lot of depth in both regions. For certain. And that, that same goes for a guy like Styles Robertson, who's getting his second shot at a factory-supported team, uh, third year in the class. Uh, he's dealt with some injuries, uh, but also when he has been healthy, he hasn't produced unbelievable results. He has a, a handful of podiums. Uh, he seems to do really good at Daytona somehow, but unfortunately the West coast doesn't go to Daytona. Um, like he needs a, a, a good reboot to his career and set and, and kind of like start on the right path again, as far as uh, turning some heads and keeping that factory ride. I don't know. Honestly, I don't really know if I, if I see him doing it. I like um, 
there's he just seems to be always something with uh with, with styles and uh yeah I, I i don't necessarily see him being a, a podium guy every single weekend especially on the west because there's some pretty gnarly tracks that get built the whoops are big he's never really struck me as a kid that really really uh <clears throat> gets a, a lot of success in, in, in really big sections like that. So um, I have a, I have a serious eyebrow raised when it comes to styles Robertson. I don't know what you think, Jax. Well, I mean, I, I questioned the hire a little bit and it, it really bums me out because I actually really like styles Robertson and I'm going to yep. sound terrible, like putting him down, but the dude only has two career top five finishes. Yes. They're both podiums at Daytona, but that's at Daytona. And now you're taking him and throwing him on the West coast and, I mean, I sure hope that he's benefiting from being down at the goat farm, but I mean, he was on Alden Baker's program, but that 250 program, I understand it hasn't been proven to be that good. They were also a lot of bike struggles over there. I think in the 250 class in especially. Um, so maybe there's something there. He's got some experience now, but I mean, he's got to do something. He did have a 60% top 10 finish ratio, which is is good there's something there again at least finishing races but i can't i don't know what star racing was doing they hired him really really early and honestly like i said he's got two career top fives so it's not that's not getting it done so i think he needs a building year where he starts to be in the top five more often and gets podiums somewhere other than daytona and then we can start to talk about okay you have something here but um i mean to me it was a crazy signing like you get get to go to the best team in the class with one yeah. top five finish Cool. I, I, think I, mean, I think you're both in left field here. That's good. I, I like Stylus Robinson a lot. Uh, I think he's got a lot of experience uh, riding a piece of shit Husky that could barely get through the whoops each round. It was almost a death sentence for Jalik, him and RJ. You could see it. He's on a star Yamaha. I think his results are going to improve tenfold. So I think he can win races, possibly. Do I think he can win a championship? Obviously not. But he's on the store, slow, steady st stream of building his career, his confidence. I think he's going to do great on the star Yamaha. I, I personally think it was a smart hire from Bobby. Uh, I, I know RJ would have loved to get off that Husky at one point in time. Um, Jalik, I, you know, as well, I think Stella's got out at the right time and I'm happy for him. I'm looking for some good results and I see him running some solid top fives, some more podiums. And he lives in California. He's from Bakersfield. We spoke about before we turned on the camera. And um, I think we're going to see some good things. He'll be back West, ride with all those star guys. We've watched those clips checkers. They got 18 of those guys busting motos together. You know, I think that's going to just rise to the top for them. And uh, Stylus brings a lot of experience. So I, I think you're both out, out in left field. Your left, my right. And uh, I think he's going to do well. I look for good things for him, and I, I hope I'm correct because I seem to like this kid. I really don't know nothing about him, but um, he's got a cool name. So let's go he's fast. He's a cool kid for sure. I hope I hope He you're is right. a cool kid. I, I honestly I, – I, I don't really see a cheer for anybody, but I, I would be happy to see Styles turn things around, uh, especially after having such a, a successful amateur career on uh, on Team Green. And, uh, and not, he's got his his career to date has almost been a little bit of a failure to launch as far as really getting a lot of good momentum, being healthy and all that fun stuff. And then also, like you said, Denny, fighting against a, a bike that might not be handling as well as he would like it to. Um, he's He must be feeling fortunate uh, being on uh, on Star Racing Yamaha. But this next guy might, might be counting his lucky stars before he goes to bed every single night. And that's Jordan Smith, who maybe the most rare thing in the world in in the world of motocross supercross is getting multiple chances at a factory ride um jordan smith has been with geico honda which is factory backed by honda obviously 
Uh, he's he was uh, on um, the Rockstar KTM team, I believe. Yes, Rockstar KTM uh, went and led the points until a catastrophe. TLD KTM. TLD KTM. TLD is my, my mistake. TLD KTM yeah, number forty four goes flipping <clears throat> down the the straightaway at uh, at, at in Vegas. Uh, and then he finds himself on pro circuit. And I, I kind of joked with, with Jordan that he never really raced for pro circuit, but he was there for two years, um, had very few finishes uh, and, and just dealt with a lot of injuries uh, leaves that program last year. He's a fact he's on a, on a, a privateer Honda. Now he finds himself on the baddest team in the sport right now, as far as two fifties go, uh, the bike is an absolute fire breather. Um but uh, yeah, I, I think honestly, this is this is Jordan Smith's last chance to really uh, uh, make something special happen in the 250 class and maybe in his career, um, because it's uh, I think he's maybe on the hot seat more than anybody. The biggest signing for 2023 had to be Jordan Smith with, with Star. I wasn't expecting I don't think anyone was expecting it. Um, you mentioned all the different teams he's written for. And it comes, and that's crazy. But you know, I guess obviously everyone sees something. Jordan does have some great results throughout his career. He's obviously been a career two fifty riders up to this point. A lot of injuries. You know, I can attest injuries suck. It can really derail a career. Um, but this is a shot. You know, this is you. This is your last. You know, ch- chance in the majors with a factory team with the biggest. You know, most successful feeling team right now on a roll is Yamaha Star. So we'll see what he can do. Um, last year, before Checkers throws out some results, he had a couple top fives, uh, five top tens, and ended the season with a 14th and 11th. I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do. Uh, we talked about a lot of things that he could probably run podium. He could run fifth. He could run tenth. I don't. I think we'd be all wouldn't be surprised by any of the results. Track Checkers and I just did a draft game. I actually uh, only had a couple chances at some riders in the 250 class. I loaded up on 450s, and I ended up with Jordan Smith on my 250 team. So I'm here to say Jordan Smith is going to win some races for my team. <laughs> Please, let's do this. Yeah, so I wish the best for the guy. I never wish anybody bad, especially as long as he stuck that out. And let's uh, let's go do the best you can, Jordan, because this is your last uh, last chance. Blair. How many guys are we up to that can win races? <laughs> uh, 15 or so. I'm going to throw something at you that's probably the most important stat of them all. His last podium was in 2019. The dude has been on some amazing motorcycles. He's been in the class for nine years, and he hasn't gotten it done. I mean, yes, I know the star program's really good, but he's gotten worse. He's gotten older. The injuries start catching up. You're not a kid anymore. You start to know what that ground feels like and bouncing back. I do think it's his last chance. I would have much rather seen a guy like a Robbie Wageman or something get this opportunity than Jordan Smith, what we know what he's going to do. He's going to run some fast lap times. He's going to run up front in some heat races. He maybe can sneak a podium, but he's also going to have be super inconsistent, hit the ground, and not bounce right back up. I've watched the dude push his front end in a corner and take 10 minutes to get back going and not even get a top 10 finish. Trust me. He eliminated me from Supercross Survivor, and that is part of the reason I'm not a big Jordan Smith fan. <laughs> yeah, he, he he seems to be in the wrong place at the wrong time a lot. You know, there was that crash, I think, going to the tunnel with somebody. I think he hit uh, Pierce Brown, maybe, and then that's when uh, Kyle Peters, I think, hit him or something. He, just silly crashes like that. He and, I, and that comes with age as well. We'll talk about this with our next writer that we're going to talk about. As you get older, you have a, a, those head ten, you know, tends to hes- hesitancy where things kind of just go, whoa. And when you got an 18 year old, 19 year old kid behind you, who's not really caring about that shit, things happen fast. And yes, Jordan seems to get caught up in those moments. And, um, but like you're at, you're anti him because you're survivor last year. I'm pro him because he's on my draft team this year. 
Well, I mean, the thing is, is he's he's the modern day. Well, it's it's every MTF rider. I swear, it's the modern day Martin Davalos. You can go really, really fast, and they're going to crash a ton, push the front end, and do it all over again. I look at him and another rider that we'll talk about later, R.J. Hampshire, is almost the same guy, but R.J. still can get it done every now and again, and I don't see Jordan Smith getting it done. Um, he's on got a great opportunity. He had some talent. I think his time's passed, and we should move on to some new kids. Speaking of new kids, uh, Guillaume Ferris uh, is going to race uh, outdoors only. Uh, so let's not really talk too much about him as far as Supercross goes. I think there'd be have to be a catastrophe. Uh, like the all the star kids would end up having to to perish in a plane crash in order for him to race Supercross. Uh, I don't again, see that just, happening. We don't race. Just just let him sit on the sidelines and yeah, not get any experience. Don't go out there and learn or, or do anything on the racetrack. Just just stay home and we'll race outdoors. What could be gained out of racing? That would be just silly. Um, but Hayden Deegan, he's a fresh-faced kid that uh, I don't I, I like. I, if if you're tired, if some people are tired of having ha- exposure that uh, that Jet Lawrence gets, get a load of this kid because uh, he's. I, I'm surprised he doesn't have a Racer X cover yet. Uh, if he does, if he does, that's that would be upsetting. But either way, uh, like he's 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 raced some. He raced two nationals. Both went terribly. Uh, aside from showing some serious speed. Um, like there's a lot of people love this kid, probably equal amount of people can't stand him. Uh, just for the fact, I'm sure they're just jealous. He doesn't, he has basically the world in the palm of his hand. Um, futures in 250 East, apparently. Um, honestly, I, I, I com- again, I completely disagree with this program. Let the kid go race. If he does awesome. Awesome. If he doesn't awesome, who cares? Uh, I just want to see this kid show out. And, and he honestly, with all the clips and stuff you see on Instagram, uh, he hits his marks as good as anybody else uh, that's anywhere near his age. Um, I, I could on, like, just like last time, I could probably make a million dollars on some let Hayden ride t-shirts. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you this, give this one to Denny and then uh, checkers. You can weigh in on this. Uh, let Hayden ride. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I've known Brian, you know, Brian's from my area, hometown, Bellevue, Nebraska. I'm from Omaha, right across uh, down the road. So, you know, I've kind of kept I'm in touch to with that. Brian a little bit about these things. And I've obviously been watching Hayden since he was on 60s. You know, I, I said when he was on a 60, watching his style and stuff. The kid's been born on a supercross track. I think his mom very pushed him out there in a bull turn one day because the kid knows it. He's grown up on it. He knows that the pressure, the muscle memory of the track of jumping the whoops uh, i'm looking forward to getting him on, a, on on supercross finally i actually uh messaged with brian yesterday the other day this on this week on just one of the one of his posts you know saying i'm looking forward to seeing uh hayden in supercross what's what's going on and he responded in, in a public you know out front everybody could see he said he feels like hayden needs about 10 more 10 more percent 10 percent more of speed and that they're still working on it. They said they're not positive what East is going to do bring that he could start East. He said, they don't know yet. He could do select rounds of East, but he's definitely riding a two futures. And um, I don't think an, a, uh, an East coast debut at Houston is out of the, out of the question right now. I mean, he could debut, maybe have a couple bad experiences and dial it back, or he could start and ride mid pack or mid midway through the season of the East. But I think Brian knows really what he's doing. Um, he's got, you know, got a daughter in, in NASCAR trucks. He's got a, ran a long career. He knows the longevity of where, where it's at. 
Uh, I, I just hope that he does pull the trigger and we see him at, H, at Houston because I think he can run top five out of the box. I, I truly believe so. He has as much Supercross experience as, as some of these 450 guys. Even though he hasn't raced a lot, it, he's practiced it since he was on uh, on a KTM 50. So I'd like to see him racing. Jex? Yeah, I would say for, for this one is the one that I'm not going to yell, line the kid up, um, simply because he hasn't had a year of amateur A class. The Ryder D's and Chance Hymas's of the world, they've had a year of amateur a class so yeah they need to be lining up for hayden deegan if he wants to be futures for this whole year get some experience there ride supercrosses a year because they don't think he's ready they've managed his program really really well so far and i do believe he is the future at least in the 250 class i'm not sure how it's going to adapt to a 450 later in his career because you have to be so gnarly and so much adversity but as far as talent and speed the kid has it and that's a lot of times what it takes in the 250 class. He looks incredible on a supercross track. He looks really comfortable. His corner speed is next level. He's got great people around him, a great program. I don't necessarily say he has to line up, but if he does, it's because he's ready and he will do very well. Will he have growing pains? Probably. But uh, most guys that have that much speed, they do have some growing pains. But I look forward to seeing him, whether it's this season or next season. And if he's in Supercross Futures only, I don't think anyone else sees a win in the Futures category. That's for sure. Absolutely. I, I agree with that. And I just want to like, this is maybe a blanketed statement that I'll make about every single one of these amateur kids that is or soon to be rookies in the sport is we have a guy on the line here who was in the position of a Chance Hymas, a Hayden Deegan, a Ryder uh, DeFrancisco, like Denny, you were one of those guys who, before you went pro, were basically anywhere you showed up, everyone knew you were there, you're the guy to beat, this, that, and the other thing. And I think with that comes a certain level of confidence and a certain level of wanting to prove yourself and a certain level of, like, basically, like, no, I can go race with those guys. And I don't know if that mentality is maybe lost nowadays, if it's still, I don't know if it's still there, but like, I, I would love to know your perspective of like, when you were sort of just like on the outside, looking in, champing at the bit to go racing against these kids, because in all honesty, like you were fast as an amateur, you turned pro and guess what? You went really fucking fast. So like, I, I don't know. That's. Yeah. I'm just, my biggest belief is again, with Checker and I have talked about, and, and I think I've said multiple times, you got to race, man, race, race, race. And I, I was racing golden States when I was on a, a mini pro class, they called it um, with Bud and, and Fro. And uh, I mean, all these superstar mini riders on the same day that they're running the, the big boys, Ward Johnson, they're running 250, 500s, 125, 250s that same day. So <laughs> to have, that type of experience riding the same track 14 years old it's just something your mentality just like okay this is where i belong this is what i do so as soon as i turned 16 17 years old i was racing loretta's but then we could also race nationals and stuff so my i just was on a cowie program and end of 88 is when i rode both classes i qualified in the shooting class and 125 got a podium that night in 125 that next 80, uh, A1, I was 18 on a privateer Kawasaki or a team green ride and went and got a ninth in 50 class. I mean, it just was something we did. We raced. And so I always just felt like I belonged. And that's why I, obviously it's, it's a little more deeper and more sponsorships and all these, all these bullshit of training facilities these days. But 
I'm a firm believer, man, go out there and just go put in the time. You know, the more experience you get, more gate drops you get, more experience you get with the best riders, seeing their lines, seeing how they're doing things. Um, you can put in a, as much practicing you want, but there's nothing like racing. And, and I, I, I dig the futures. I dig what they're doing right there. And like you said, if Hayden feels like he needs, and, and Brian and the team feels like he needs a year to, to, to learn with the, the futures, then so be it because he's going to have a long career. But along that same route, let's keep these kids racing and put them on the track and sitting at home, riding these, uh, these training facilities and putting these, uh, these scrimmage races. It just seems silly. You know, I'm ready for these kids to start turning pro and start showing themselves like Ricky James and uh, Mastrana, everybody else who turned 16, 17 years old and was, was at the big show. Yeah, that, that's exactly my point. And like, let's, let's uh, flip gears over to the, uh, the Austrian brands and kick things off with TLD gas, gas talk about a guy who like, he was on Rockstar Husky at the time, but basically did exactly what we just talked about. Michael, nobody, nobody uh, eased Michael Mosman into racing pro. Like he raced a few nationals at the tail end of, I believe that was the 2017 season and then came out in 2018. I'm a pro now raced out, raced supercross raced outdoors. Um, it's like, it's starting like it is, it's, that's the, the typical approach to it is like, yeah, okay. You had some time. Now it's time to to prove yourself. He he got his supercross points, I'm sure, through racing some some arena crosses. The uh, which at that time was the uh, uh, Ricky Carmichael Road to Supercross should have been the Denny Stevenson uh, Road to Supercross, or at least the Buddy Andrews road, road to Supercross. Um, but uh, yeah, checkers, I'll let you you weigh in on this kid who's going to be an absolute menace to anyone who's trying to win the East Coast Supercross title because. Uh, as soft-spoken and uh, and quirky as Michael Mosman may be, um, when he when his helmet goes on, uh, he transforms into an extremely fast rider who has tons of speed and has no reservations about putting his nose anywhere he wants to put it, including where it doesn't belong. Uh, which sometimes ends up with some uh, some back and forth on the racetrack, as well as uh, some some washing of the front end here and there um due to some aggressive riding style that he currently uh he seems to exude every single weekend and he'll be on the east absolutely um if you look at michael mosman's career it's sixth season in the class and he's been on this trajectory of getting better and better he won his first race last year um he found the podium a bunch of times let's see he podium five times had a win six top fives top 10 every race that's starting to build towards being that championship contender. Absolutely. I think he has to be in the discussion for the title fight. If he takes one more step up, he is definitely in the mix. He has a lot of competition, but Michael Mosman has gotten better and better every single year. I don't see why this year will be any different. He does have to develop a little bit better racecraft to keep himself out of stupid situations. I keep picturing Anaheim last year. I think it was Anaheim one squaring the whoops off on the very first lap of the main event not realizing there's going to be a whole pack of guys coming up the inside collision puts himself on the ground, puts himself in a hole. You can't do that if you want to win a championship in a short 250 series, but he has the speed. He has the aggression. Um, I think the team in the program is pretty good. Um, I don't think it's the best team in the class, but I think they can get the job done. And I look for Michael Mosman, I that can get a title done, or if he's just going to be another one of those guys that he might keep a factory ride for a while, he might win some races and battle for some podiums, but he needs to take that step up and prove that he can win this title. 
Otherwise, he's going to be another one of those lifetime 250 guys. Yeah, I, I like Michael. I mean, he's obviously one of the funniest guys in his interviews. He's raw. He's, uh, he's having the time of his life. But the biggest thing is we can all admit, and he's admitted it himself, is his brain. His, his be, be able to stay focused for, his, for a race, whether it be Supercross, whether it be outdoors. He fully admitted that he, he, when he gets out there riding by himself, he starts thinking about the last Transformer, Transformer movie he saw. You know, it just seems like his worst enemy is himself and his mental distractions he gets. He has a hard time staying focused. If he can, if he gets out front by himself and is five seconds of lead, or has a five second lead, I, I, I'm scared at that point. It's like, oh God, is he going to stay focused? He, but if he's third ha- haunting, you know, say Hunter or Shimoda, I think that's his best opportunity. That's one thing. That's when he can stay focused because everything's right in front of him. He can't think of something else. Um, racecraft as well, like you said, I, I think we, we got to eventually see someone step up and makes things happen. And I'm hoping it's Michael. I think he can battle with Hunter. He just needs to stay off the ground and, and stay focused throughout a whole, you know, 15 plus one lap main event. So I think we th- we'll see good things from Michael and, and he'll keep elevating his, his craft and smarter. And um, he's over there with Barsha. Barsha might do some start stupid things, but I, I think Barsha is a smart guy to learn from. Certainly is. And you know what? Uh, like Michael might not have the best race craft in the world, but at least the guy moves forward and, and, and races for wins. And uh, like I said, uh, if he's not going to be the champion uh, for 2023 on the East Coast, he will be a thorn in the side of whoever that is. And, and those guys are going to butt heads one way or another. Um, the next guy on my list to talk about is Pierce Brown. And this is going to be a quick one for me, because honestly, this there's no one that I've seen come out in the last 10 probably 10 years who has stuck out less than pierce brown uh i there's a bunch of like when it comes to pierce brown like he's had some results but for the most part uh he's on the ground a fair bit and when he isn't on the ground he does a whole bunch of nothing like um it's it's the it's the 250 like it's a split cost and super cross you need to be in the top five because that means you're only in the top 10 of all 250 guys um in order to hold yourself down as a as a serious threat in this class otherwise you're basically just rolling around out there and nobody nobody remembers who got sixth so pierce brown needs to take a huge step up and and, or otherwise i seriously i think that uh like he's he's in danger of losing uh having factory support after i believe this is third year in the class he just signed a two-year contract with with troy lee so he's good Good with them for 23 and 24, which is the biggest surprise next to George Smith that getting him getting a two-year deal just shocked me because I'm not, not a fan of him, but he's been a fantasy killer for me for indoors and outdoors. If there, if there's a way to crash and wad yourself up, it seems like Pierce seems to find that. Um, he's got three podiums. I'll throw some check numbers. He got three he's podiums. He's got naked pictures season. of Troy Lee. We know this. And, and two and five top fives. The rest, he had a 12th, a 16th and a 10th. Again, if there's a will and a way to find a way to crash, Pierce will find it. So he's got a long ways to prove it to, to me as well, but something at Troy's going on. So he can keep kind of building if he's got another year left in 2024. But I said, so far in his career, I, I've not been impressed at all. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy to, to look at it and see that he got third in the series last year. That just shows you how injury depleted – and how many of these 250 guys can't even finish a dang season or even half of one? He only had three podiums and they were all third, but he was only in the top five, five times out of a 10 race series. He was in the top five, five times and he ends up third in the series. 
that is probably the luckiest third place finish in the series that it's ever been. I mean, it's ridiculous. He is the stereotypical 250 rider that we see these days. I can go fast for one lap and I'm going to crash my brains out and not get top five, not get top 10, half the races. Like it's, it's time to go. He's, he's been in the class. He's got some experience. It's now or never. Um, I've seen some speed, but there's a lot of guys that have speed. He needs to start putting it together in a majority of the races. He should be top five every time on a factory bike or he shouldn't be out there. Yeah, his third isn't the worst. We'll talk about a rider who's had a bigger a bigger goof all of a third spot who was almost 100 points back in third. Everybody still gives him credit for it. But, yeah, he was 43 points behind Jet and got a third in his class. So, you know, keep if, we, if you're doing it to make a living and having fun doing it, it's great. But it's come on, buddy. Step up, get some wins here. It's time. Absolutely. You know, he needs I, I, I did not know. I like that's on me for not uh, doing enough homework on Pierce Brown. I am shocked and appalled that he's rolling into the season <laughs> with uh, with job security. Uh, I would assume I would have assumed that he is uh, um, is is really worried about how how his 2023 needs to go. But yeah. p- perhaps not. Uh, let's stick with the Austrian brands. Uh, Max Voland, um, like like. The, maybe more <laughs> maybe more of a failure to launch than Styles Robertson really though like he's he's shown some speed but then uh, otherwise injured always um still super young um but like I I like there's a bunch of question marks with Max uh I always I find myself always wanting more and for a guy who's on a factory motorcycle he qualifies outside the top 10 way too often uh, and finds himself in LCQs where he shouldn't. Um, I think this is a big year for him to at least solidify himself as a guy who is going to be a threat in this class. If he's not that this year, um, I, I have a hard time. Like even if he uh, even if he stays at KTM, even if he has more years there, uh, I have a hard time seeing him as a serious threat in years to come. Checkers. Yeah, I mean, there's another rider that, you know, I grew up racing with his brother or his dad and his uncle, Tyson mm-hmm. and Talon. And, um, you know, and I know how hard they both work and how their fitness is and how much Talon learned by going over to Europe and how much he came back, how fast he was outdoors. Uh, I raced with him in 90. Uh, one of the races I crashed, I think it was Tampa, Orlando, that, that Talon got the win. I know it's there, man. It's right on the surface. I, I, it's crazy that the, the direction kind of Talon, I think, wanted for Max. I think he was ready to go to Europe and run the EMX, you know, uh, 250 or 125 class. And get a chance and wanted to do that. And then Roger came out of nowhere and offered him this ride at 16 years old. I don't think he was quite mentally prepared for it, but it was such a great opportunity. And I think everyone, you know, at a bar age group of talents is a huge fan of Roger. Why not go under that umbrella like Dungey had? And he had some great uh, experience there. Those first couple nationals had been in lead for a while at uh, Pala, but his supercross, whoo. It has been just ugly, and I don't even know why. I mean, obviously, he had some good rides that was that first year and got a couple of fists and dislocated his hip, which is a huge, big injury. Um, that's a lot of pain, and then went and had some good outdoors. This year, I don't even know. I mean, he showed up. I got hurt at first. Minneapolis. He got hurt at the first round of, of East this year. But, you know, he rode some, I thought. Was that what you did? He didn't qualify in any rounds he didn't get hurt first round this year i thought he rode some rounds didn't qualify uh, minneapolis rode, is the east know. opener and he got hurt he got 22nd and crashed out did he show uh, up at daytona then and then did terrible he showed up some rounds that didn't qualify 
you showed up some main events and that did not make did not qualify this last year in 2022. Yeah, you guys don't remember that because he's not a result. Yeah, no, there, there is a race. I think you're I think you're right, Dave, uh Denny. I think it was Daytona. He was like 36 fastest in times or so. Oh no, it was a um it was a triple crown and he didn't qualify. He's been at two different supercrosses and not qualify. Yeah. He went to one, it was a triple crown, did not make it. Daytona, he did not qualify either. So yeah. You can't yeah, not you qualify just, if you're on a factory bike. You can't, you can't. You not qualify, man. I mean, that's just – it's crazy. And then he went out and had some great outdoor success. You know, he killed it at Millville. He had some solid top five finishes. So, it's such an anomaly. I, I don't even know how to how to explain it or even give it any type of justice. But uh, I, I think this, this is his last year uh, with KTM unless some magical thing happens. He is someone I could definitely see Bobby Reagan, uh, Bobby Reagan throwing a contract to for 2024. So – it's not a do or die. I don't think for him. Cause I think he'll get another opportunity with another team, but for pure confidence, as long as they run at Cherby's plastics. Yeah. Just, just to get this damn, just get this full season of supercross under his belt would be nice. And some top tens and some top fives and, and just some confidence. Cause I mean, he's got to be coming in this season. Luckily he's young and hopefully he has a short memory because so far it has not been good. I, I can't disagree more. I mean, we just sat and talked about racers need to show up and race. They, that's what they did. They turned in pro and said, Hey, go learn, kid. Yeah, sure, he did get hurt. But that first year, he had three top tens. He's out there trying to race. Yes, the injuries have to stop. That part has to improve. But we have to give them time. If we want them to go out and race, that's fine. It might take three or four years for them to figure it out. But if they're turning pro at 16, that's okay. If you're holding them back, doing this select schedule crap till they're 20 years old, and then then going to coddle them like that, I'm not agreeing. But he turned pro at 16, threw him in. And said, go learn. He has three top 10 finishes. Does he need to finish the series and stay healthy? Absolutely. Yes. 100%. I agree with that part. But I'm not going to sit here and say that he's a bust or should be looking for a ride or is going to have a hard time getting one. If they're going to do that, then that's absolutely ridiculous. Like, then they should have let him wait until he was 100% ready to go pro. But so I hope that this is a building year for him. I'd like to see him try to be in the top 10 every single race and finish all the races. That would be an amazing year for Max Voland. I hear he's going really fast. I've watched the kid since he was on 50s coming through Loretta's program and stuff. He's got some real talent. I would say some next level talent over a lot of other kids. Um, you know, he was that he was the standout guy. And that doesn't just go away. And you can't teach that. That's the one thing you can't teach. Um, he does have to find some consistency. Absolutely. But I think if they're putting pressure on him that he needs to go out and get it done this year is the wrong way to go. Encourage the dude to go out there, get a couple top fives if you can, but be top 10 every single race and finish every race. And that's a great thing. And I'm not going to beat him up for those results because I think that's super unfair when we just sat and said, these guys need to go race and learn. And that's what he was doing. Yeah. He didn't qualify you know for main event. I don't care how much, I don't care how much the kid needs to learn. You have to qualify for main events. I don't care if you're 12 years old, get the factor right. You have to qualify and make main events. I say this is his last year at KTM. I don't think he's done his career at all. I don't think he's rate riding for ride. I think he'll find a ride somewhere, but you have to qualify for main events. He has not done that so far. I, I think he needs to have a short memory, get into this year, ride well. I, again, I don't think he's riding for a ride. I think he'll find one, but I think his career at KTM will be moved on. I just, I just That's just the way I feel Roger does things. So, I mean, there's there's a guy named Ryan Villapoto that won a Supercross title missing a main event. So, I mean, it happens sometimes. True. 2012. Yeah, but, he, but he didn't, miss, he didn't miss two in a row. And because he was qualified 36th. You're, you're horrible <laughs> example, checkers. You're, you're way out here in left field again. <laughs> I'll say this about uh, Max Voland is, is you're, you're totally right. Um, 
checkers as far as his progression there's a lot of guys that we forget about in the in previous years who they were a bit of a slow burn when it came to rising to where they were going to be is a guy like uh brendan jessamine who turned pro at 16 pulled himself out of high school went went out there was like national number 60 for a year and he's national number 44 and he didn't end up getting a supercross championship with factory suzuki in 2003 extremely successful and uh, obviously the rest of his career wasn't awesome but he was able to to rise up and and grab that championship same thing for a guy like ivan tedesco tedesco turned pro in 2001 and didn't end up winning a supercross title until 04 uh and that's a lot of years and a lot of different teams that he rode for he also was uh part of that sort of switch to four strokes but i think better days are ahead for max boland whether or not that's on an orange bike is yet to be seen but i think he's he's put himself in a good position uh on the west coast to uh to make some noise uh because in my in my opinion uh the west isn't as Don't deep start. as the east it's not. move on <laughs> but uh um but uh, let's let's stick with uh with ktm tom vial uh I, I liked how earlier uh like uh uh debo kind of showed his age by uh referencing frederick bolet uh because they're slightly they're said, both from france yeah um, did i say bolet i said i said i thought he said, said Biale. i said Biale. you, you said, you said Fre- freddie Vala- viole i'm like that's yeah. kind of a combo of those yeah. two names but I mix them that's up. totally fine i just you know what for this kid <laughs> keep it nice and short for guys honestly like he's there's a fair bit of attention about him riding supercross uh he may come out and completely surprise me but stay healthy don't die and race outdoors like this is this is an experience year for for tom volley oh yeah tom yes tom needs to get in uh exactly um he has zero supercross experience he never i don't think he ever rode a supercross track until this past summer fall just to kind of show that he could do it He's obviously got a lot of talent. He's a great rider, incredible talent. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's there, can, there should be nothing expected for him. I mean, it's no different than Albertine is showing up here or T- Tortelli and, and killing themselves their first year. And, but they're obviously riding big bike, but he's got a lot to learn. His, his main reason he's here for this first year, 2023, is to win an outdoor title. I hope he gets through this Supercross season healthy, uh, takes it little by little. Doesn't KTM doesn't put a lot of pressure on him. Roger doesn't put a lot of pressure on him. He doesn't put a lot of pressure on himself. Yep. Get some top fives, get some top tens, get in that main event every week and uh, go racing this summer. What do you think, Chex? At, at least he's racing. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm surprised that they don't have him on some select schedule or something stupid like that. <laughs> but I'm so excited. Only racing Daytona in Atlanta. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm just um, super excited to have him here. I think it's it's awesome that we finally get, you know, a, a fresh European talent to come over and and jump right in and go right into Supercross and, I don't know what to expect, but the one thing that he has going for him that a lot of the other rookies in Supercross don't have is he has race craft and he has the skills of racing. And yeah, Supercross is a little different, but he's got no skate drops. He's gotten championships. He's finished seasons. He's on a great program. And thank you, KTM, for just letting him line up and race. But I do agree. If he were to go get some top fives and stay healthy through the entire season and get a full year of Supercross experience, that would be awesome. We're definitely talking about a little bit different um, French rider than we're used to seeing like when the moose scans would come over and, and guys like that around Cotta, like he didn't grow up on a supercross track. Like those guys do so immediately. You think, Oh, French, he's going to be good at supercross, but I do think he'll have racecraft. He's on a good program and I'm assuming that there's not a lot of pressure on him. So hopefully it, it goes really well. And then we get to see him outdoors battling for a championship, but 
biggest thing I said, thank you, KTM, for letting him race. And for bringing him over. I think it's awesome. Bring a world champion over to the United States. Hats off, kudos. Just as us three as fans and everyone else, that's awesome. I'm really happy to see him here, and I, I wish nothing but the best of luck for him. Absolutely. I sort of see him as a Tyler Rattray with maybe a little bit more top end speed uh, and a better starter on top of that. Uh, rounding out the uh, the Austrian brands, you have Rockstar Husqvarna. Uh, on the West Coast, you'll have RJ Hampshire. Um, RJ's been in the class for about 35 years now. Um, I believe he turned pro on a, on a, on a KX125. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of joking, but honestly, like the guy's been around forever. He has one win, which was last year. It was a triple crown event. Uh, he's racing on the West, which I don't think he's ever been on the West coast. If, and if I, and if he has, it, I'm forgetting it as many years ago. Um, I think you kind of know what you have with RJ, uh, and what you have is a guy with unbelievable speed and a propensity to hit the ground. Um, I think that he, like, he will have laps where he's running up front and there will be races where uh, he he doesn't end up finishing due to some sort of a crash. Um, what are you guys' thoughts? Checkers, I'll let you take this one right off the hop. I mean, he was he was second in the series last year. Um, he finally got his first win. It's his ninth year in the class. He finally got one done. Again, he was only top five and five times. Like you have to be That's in crazy. the top five every single race in this 250 class if you want to compete for a title. He had two podiums, is it? I mean, he's the typical 250 rider that we talked about. Yeah, he can go really fast. He can get it done one time, and then he's going to fall down and all that stuff. I hope they made some progress with the bike, but he complained about the bike at Geico the whole time, too. Him and Jordan Smith, oh, we got to get off these bikes. We get off these bikes. Guess what? They both went to other great factory teams, and it's still the bike's fault that they're not getting it done. Dude, it's nine years you better get it done and don't give me the crap that you're racing jet lawrence and he's the best guy i don't care who you're racing you've been there nine years you're a you're an old man you're a family man now get it done or let somebody else have that spot in the ride and do i think he's going to be really good absolutely will he probably be top three in the series i do think he will be i don't see him winning a title because i know what i have with rj hampshire and um unfortunately that's that's not enough to get it done yeah, RJ thinks his front wheel is a shop broom because he pushes that thing more than anybody else I've ever seen. He puts so next to Davalos, he trusts that front end so much, and whether it be indoors and outdoors, and he can crash outdoors and still run top five because he's such in such great shape and he's such so wide fucking open a lot of the times. Again, he cannot you can't crash some supercross and plan on getting top five as many times as he does go down. I like RJ, I like how it's hard as how hard he works and how much energy he puts in. He's a lot of fun to watch, you know, but if there's anybody I've ever watched on a bike, he has the most awkward style. It's not flowing. It's just, let me blow through everything I possibly can. I think he needs to find a little bit more of a, a little bit better flow in Supercross. Again, I hope his bike, like you said, his Husky, those Huskies handled so bad in the whoops. They were nearly dying every lap. Having to jump to him on the first lap of the main event because they decide, man, this is the easiest way I can get through these things. I think a lot of it's going to depend on bike setup for him. I hope it's, I hope they can get through the whoops. RJ's got to get some good starts, stay off the ground. Like you said, he could run top, top two, top three in the points, but he's got a big step to try and to try and consistently run with Jet. He's got to run with Austin. He's got to run with Cameron. He could end up fourth in a series just as easily. And I, honestly, he's the worst starter out of those four guys you just mentioned. His average start is outside the top four more often than not. Um, and and I think that's one of the reasons why he finds himself in those predicaments is because he's having to make passes 
um, very early in the race and on a guy who even by himself kind of looks like uh, riding around with a, a like a, a grenade with the pin pulled. You never, never it kind of like one eye, one eye closed a lot of times with RJ uh, and then throw in some other uh, sporadic 250 riders. That's a recipe for disaster. Um, talk about a guy, his teammate who also is either, I wouldn't even call him boom or bust. It's like, I, I, I don't mean to talk ill about anybody, but I think it's bust or bust for uh, Jalex Swole. He's on the East and I don't think I'm going to, like, I, I would be surprised if I see him in the top five all year long. Well, he started out the season, obviously last year, horrible. You know, he went down off that yes. triple, rang his bell really, really well, really badly. Um, mm-hmm. And then he just struggled all year long. I mean, it was yep. one bad race after another outdoors, I know he was not happy with the bike as well, but he got to overcome a bike, you know, I don't know. It can't I, be that bad. It can't. I mean, it's a factory bike, you know, obviously it's a suspension. I've heard stories. I've heard rumors about what went on over there a little bit and this, this bike was not handling, but I don't know. He, he's got to be a do or die type season as well. I don't think his contract is coming up. Uh, I don't think he's renewed for 04 or 24. So I'm not really expecting much of anything out of Jalik or Jalik or whatever, Swole. To get better than top 10 finishes, I, I don't see him on the podium at all. No. Jack. Yeah, I, I, we didn't get to see everything last year because he was hurt. And the one thing that he did do that a lot of other guys in the class failed to do is he stayed on the racetrack. And although the results weren't good, he was at least on the track getting experience and finishing races, which they needs to be better than that when you're on a factory bike. I don't know if I've seen a worse guy on a factory bike in the whoops than Jalik Swole. I mean, he's constantly doubling through the whoops he's not even tire tap tripling through them or anything he's literally doubling the whoops and rolling through them i mean that has to change when you're on a factory motorcycle and yeah you can blame setup all you want but i've seen guys go through whoops way better than him on outdoor setups on stock suspension like it's not that bad that you can't ever get through a set of whoops especially in the 250 class where they're fresh when you start practicing and whatnot um i do think he has a little bit of speed and some talent that's there but it's got to come out and he's got to uncover it. He was fifth in the series in 2021, but a lot of that was just, again, staying on the racetrack. He only had one top five last year. Um, his best finish was a fifth and he's got something to prove now. I mean, he's been there. It's his fourth season. Uh, we we're either going to find out whether he can do it or he can't, or needs to make room for other guys on, on factory equipment. Um, it sounds like the guys at Husky really like him and, you know, he's, he's had some brilliant outdoor rides, but he needs to really put something together in Supercross this year. If he can fix the whoops, I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be able to be in that top five more often. Um, I don't think he's a title contender. If he were able to get a few top fives and even a, maybe a sneak a podium on a night, that would be incredible season for him, I think. But the well, one thing I said of, is – Out of this world. He secures yeah. a job for next year if he can actually do that. I, I just don't I, – I, I don't see it happening, especially on the East – where uh, he's going to be battling with guys. We're not talking about podium guys. We're talking about race winners on the East Coast. Uh, he's got some seriously things, some things stacked up against him. Uh, yeah, Denny, I know you know the, the the East Coast is not is is the I think they call it uh, the one easy one e right like one easy is that the easy coast? Yeah, the East is easier than the West. No question. Okay. No uh, we'll, we'll get to that, but, um, <laughs> let's go to the, let's go back to the Japanese manufacturers, uh, and start things off with a Japanese rider. Uh, Joe Shimoda, in my opinion, is sort of the leader, uh, under the tent 
when it comes to PC Cowie. Uh, he seems to certainly uh, work really well with Mitch Payton, especially after coming in from a, uh, uh, it was a tryout ride. Uh, Mitch seems to have really taken a liking to him. He's a rising star within the sport. Um, and I, I think if he's able to make a huge step this year, as he has in years, in years past, if he makes that next step forward, um, he's going to be a, he's a serious title contender with Hunter Lawrence every single weekend. In my opinion, uh, you guys can uh, tell me if I'm wrong, but honestly, I think Joe Shimoda is on the verge of something very, very special uh, here in 2023. Uh, and he's going to do so um, with, with a great team on uh, uh, with pro circuit Kawasaki. Go ahead. I'll Jack. let you go first checkers. You lead us off. Oh man. Well, I will say that I think that the pro circuit Cowie team, would be so stacked in like heavy favorites for the titles. If it wasn't for those pesky Lawrence brothers on Honda um, as a whole, this team is, is loaded, but I think that Joe Shimoda and supercross is extremely unproven. He only had one podium last year, one mm-hmm. single podium in supercross. He has been in the class for four years. Yes. He's been in the top five of the series every single time. But if you remember back, he was in those injury riddled East coast years and he was doing it by getting sixth and sevenths, but just in the, some eighths even, but just being on the track, he only had six top fives last year, one podium. He only has one career win and it wasn't last year Four career podiums. It's not like the dude has been amazing in supercross. And I see everywhere. People are saying, man, he's a title favorite. There's it's unreal. He's not the best in his truck yet. Is he a rising star? Absolutely. Do I like the fact that he's been building and being consistent and finishing races? Absolutely. But he's not there yet. He hasn't proven it yet. Can he get there? I hope so, because he's doing it the right way by finishing races and getting there. He's not the boom or bust 250 guy. But I think that just like we talked about with Levi Kitchen, you can't say the guy's a title contender when he hasn't shown that yet. Fair enough. The stars of a... The stars have aligned. Checkers and I agree 100%. <laughs> I think I think he's highly overrated in Supercross. He's done a, he's incredible. You know, his outdoor last year was uh, a huge stepping stone. He learned tremendously. His speed got faster. I mean, he is one of the best 250 riders in the world outdoors, despite his uh, MX Donations uh, debacle. Indoors again, he has proven nothing, nothing to me. For people to say he's a championship, uh, championship contender. Have you paid attention at all to his Supercross career? Again, he has one win. He had one podium last year. He's he's one that uh, he's told he's said publicly that I need to get outside my comfort level and ride a little bit more aggressively. And I think he tried that last year in Supercross and he found the ground a lot. Again, he's not the fast guy in his truck. I got him fourth behind uh, Forkner, McAdoo, and Hammerker when it comes to Supercross. Um, I think I think he's got a lot of work to do to get where he needs to be to winning races like with Hunter and stuff. But he proved he could do it in outdoors last year. It was a total page turner. Can he do it in Supercross? He's proven he can in outdoors. We will see. I currently do not think that he is going to win more than maybe a one or two races, if that. Um, I think he's going to have his hands full with riders like Thrasher and Hammaker and Moseman. And um, I haven't haven't finished about third in the series. I I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up fifth. He's got to stay off the ground and prove himself a little bit more. Fair enough. Another guy on his team that definitely needs to stay off the ground is Cameron McAdoo. We've seen him lead laps in the past. We've also seen him go tumbling through the sky in Atlanta, uh, being flung from his motorcycle. Uh, the guy is um, like he, he's 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 got speed, but honestly, like I I 
I seriously worry for his safety. <laughs> Team Iowa. Yeah, he's awesome. He I, I like Cameron McAdoo. He's an easy guy to cheer for. But honestly, like, if there's if there's anyone out there that I would be like, it, like, if they have a if they're if they're showing the lead and then you hear the crowd go nuts about somebody crashing, the next thing you're gonna see is the number forty eight machine, and it might be upside down. Like I I have all the respect in the world for for um, Cameron McAdoo. I think he's a great athlete. I think he's gonna have uh, he's he's like made huge strides over the years. But uh, for me, I still see a kid who makes a lot of mistakes and stay and and has a hard time staying off the ground. What do you think, Denny? Um, he is, uh, he knows one speed wide fucking open. I mean, he is fearless. I mean, he, yes. Twist that throttle to it's about to come off the damn handlebars. He needs to learn a little bit. If things aren't totally going your way, maybe, uh, maybe pack it down a little bit, run it about 99%, not 120%. Cause he is, is, and, and I love watching him ride. I'm a huge fan. Like checker said, he's a Midwest kid. He's from Sioux, Sioux city, Iowa, which is about 90 minutes here from Omaha. Um, I've had a chance to talk with him a handful of times and uh, yeah, he could go out and win races. I, I think he can beat jet in a one-on-one race. Do I think he could do that for nine rounds? Uh, probably not. And I, but I hope he's learned because let's be honest, we've all raced motorcycles. Whether at any, any level you've raced a motorcycle, the more time you hit the ground and break bones and do crazy things uh, to cause physical pain to yourself, you're going to start real remembering those moments. And next time you get a little squirrely, you're going to go, Hey man, Let's just back it down a notch, just out of experience and, and just not wanting to get killed. And uh, and I don't mean that as an old guy sense, but it's just a young guy who still just made a rubber. Just dial it back a little bit, Cameron, and, and get when it's okay to get a third, you know, because that's going to win you a title. You know, a first and a 12th and a DNF or whatever the hell is not going to get it done. Um, I hope he continues with his raw speed and, and, and going fast. I'd just like to see him uh, survive for all nine rounds or 10 rounds, wherever the West is. I believe it's nine. So we'll see. I got him up front. I got him third finish in the series between Jet and Austin and, and ahead of uh, Hampshire and Brown. So <clears throat> if he survives, uh, I, I hope so. I'd like to see him every race. He's exciting to watch. I'm going to spin this a little bit. I mean, he is the typical 250 rider. It seems like on paper, of go really fast, crash, don't finish all the races. Um but I like to look at it as his career has almost been two separate careers from the time that he was on Moto Concepts and then Geico Honda. And then the switch that happened when he went over to Monster Energy Pro Circuit Kawasaki and started working with Nick Way was like a mm-hmm. brand new career. And it was like the first year there, he went through the rookie like phase of go really fast, but crash a lot, but win some races. And then last year he was on the podium in all five races he did before he got hurt on press day. And so I, I think he, did start to find a little bit of that consistency. He still got hurt and still missed races, but I think he was finding some of the consistency that he needed. Um, and I think another year working with Nick, he's really changed his riding a ton from, from like, I've watched him very closely, of course, not only as he part of Iowa, but I was working with him on the Moto Concepts team when he turned pro. So even right. his last year's amateur and stuff, I got to see him and to watch his riding style, how much it's changed even is a ton he has smoothed himself out quite a bit um he used to be horrible in the whoops he's now one of the better guys in the whoops um he's much smoother he doesn't clip stuff nearly as much and doesn't try to ride through stuff nearly as much but he still has that effort and he has to keep that 120 percent mode turned off um to finish the races and stuff but i've seen him getting towards that direction over the last two seasons so if he takes one more step that direction do i think he could be really really good and most likely second in the series behind jet probably 
I just don't think that you can beat Jet because he doesn't have the talent that Jet has without going to that 120%. And if he goes to the 120%, there's no way he's finishing on the podium every race. And that's what it's going to take to get it done. So do I look for Cameron McAdoo to have a great year and make another solid step forward? I absolutely do. I think he'll be very good. He probably will be the biggest competition to Jet on a consistency level, but I don't think he has the speed. Yeah, what race yeah. was it last year that uh, – sorry to interrupt there, uh, okay. Brad. But, yeah, what okay. race was it last year where uh, he was battling with Jet? And Jet – he got away from Jet and took off for a while. And I think we were all like, hmm, he might do this. And then, obviously, Jet's race craft is brilliant. And he just kind of sat back and got his got his flow going a little bit, caught up past Cam and dropped him unbelievably in a matter of about three laps. But uh, that's a great example, like you said. What, what race is that? Do you remember that at all? Was that Arlington Triple Crown in one of the mains? I honestly don't remember. I remember the race. It was just talking about a great example. Like, like you had said, you know, battling with jet, he could throw the speed down, but jet almost is kind of like, okay, let's see how fast you can go. Now I've got you the speed. I'm going to slow down a little bit, see if you want yourself or not. Um, Yeah. I, 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 good example check. I was just giving an example. So I like that. Yeah. I think think that for in, in, when it comes to Cameron, if he can avoid that sort of like riding panic, look or you know, sometimes his riding style like when he's when he's like hit, hitting his marks he can look as smooth as anybody but when it times time to drop his lap times he almost seems to have his body mannerisms when he's riding his body language is almost of a guy who's like panicked to go as fast as he's going uh and that's when um that, that's when you can hit the ground quite easily so uh if he can clean that up uh i think you guys are totally right he's a, he's a he's a podium guy more times than not um but honestly his teammate might have even have more speed than he does and like honestly like the everything i know about austin forkner is that he just totally feels that he should be winning these races he's fast enough to be winning these races and i'm i'm willing to bet that he's probably frustrated that he hasn't left the class altogether and is now a 450 guy um like but the reality is is that he he has made mistakes he's been on the ground uh, and he can't help himself, but to, when someone else challenges him to go a little faster, guess what he does? He goes a little faster and, and that can be, um, that's risky business for a guy who's had a lot of injuries. Obviously last year's injury was not his fault whatsoever. Uh, but honestly, one of the last times we saw him square off, uh, with these guys, he ended up with a win and, uh, Austin Forkner can go as fast as anybody on a 250F in North America, period. Maybe not outdoors, but supercross. He is special. And uh, if he can stay within himself, control his emotions better, uh, he is he's a bad dude on a motorcycle. The question is, will he be that guy? I mean, that's, that's the million-dollar question right there. I think everybody, anybody's been watching him race since he first started. I mean, he's, he's got an incredible talent, um, but just has his moments where things just go awry and he gets hurt. I, I don't think he's, you know, the type of, like, Cameron, where Cameron just goes snowballs at the wall and, see that sense of panic. I think Austin just has a, a dumb brain fart just out of the blue. Like when he went we that rhythm section uh, in practice, we cased the third one going to the corner and just broke his collarbone out of the blue. You know I mean? There's, there's, a, there's just a little bit of good luck and bad luck. And Austin seems to uh, find that bad luck a little bit more often than not. Obviously when jet he's running with jet this last year, last season and jet hits almost a tough block, comes completely across the track and takes him out in the air for a, just a horrific crash that, uh, lucky he didn't get hurt worse, um, which again was no fault of his own, just shit luck. And 
when it comes to shit luck, I think Austin owns the uh, owns the money bag for it. But I'd like to see him uh, come out this year. He's fun to watch race. I, I want to see him do well because I want to see Jet challenged. I got him second in points coming in at the end of the season. I, I'm giving these guys a lot, a lot of faith that they can they get all nine rounds in. But I think even if he does miss a couple rounds and gets a couple wins in there, I think he's going to do well. What do you think, Chex? Well, I think you're looking at a, a future 450 superstar in Austin Forkner. Now, but first, he's got to get something done here in the 250 class. Um, that's a little bit of a, an inside joke with Denny and I. But <laughs> but he's it's his seventh season in the class already. It's, it's crazy that he's been around for that long. Um, he's the winningest guy in the class. He has 12 wins. He knows how to get it done. The one thing that he has that very few people have is the ability to out talent his competition. You know, there's, there's a lot of guys that can get a race win here or there by, you know, things go their way. But Austin Forkner, I think is a guy that when he lines up on the starting line, he can beat anybody on the starting line with just sheer speed. If he puts it together on his side, um, the only one that I think can match him with that is Jet Lawrence. So, with that going for him, that's a huge help. Um, there was another guy that, that rode for that team that kind of had a similar career and got hurt often, but had that next level talent and a ton of wins. And he did almost get it done before blowing a title in Vegas. So maybe Fortner can have one of those years and then, you know, get to where he's transitioning himself into a great 450 guy. Um, last year, he, he started with a second in Minneapolis. And then if you remember, he had a win and a fourth, I believe, in the triple crown before Jet hit him. So he was, and he was looked like he was doing kind of what McAdoo was doing where they were managing the series. And I think they were on honestly waiting for jet to make a mistake is kind of how it looked like that they were riding um, and trying to make sure that they were there for all the races. And I mean, I can't fault last year's crash at all on Forkner other than I guess he could have been long gone out front and not had jet catch him and pass him, but it wasn't his fault that he, that he was hurt and injured. So um, I think it's a very big year for Forkner. I see no reason though, why he's not able to be in this title battle the whole way, winning races and being a real thorn in the side with Jet. And I mean, I definitely think that if that happens, there will be a lot of drama because both of those guys can carry a whole lot of confidence with them and they're going to be slamming into each other and put on one heck of a show for us. Oh yeah. yeah I, three, don't, I don't three, think they're one, friends yeah. either. No. Well, that's really, you know, I was thinking about riders in a 2D class that, that aren't afraid of jet. And I was going to say, obviously Cameron and, and Oscar too, though, but more, I started even looking on the East rounds or the West guy. I don't, I've never know any of those kids or any of those are not kids, obviously that these duty riders that give a shit who jet Lords is. I mean, they want to take him down. They want to beat him. They don't line up next to him thinking that he's going to beat him. It's, it's a crazy mentality because obviously jet is the talent of the class and the future of the sport. But yet these two duty riders do not give a shit. They will put him on the ground in a second. And when they line up at the gate, they're all quite certain they can beat him. And that's a crazy mentality to have. And it's just good to have and uh, more power to him. But, and uh, Austin, like, like you said, when he lines up next to Jet, I think he knows down deep, I can beat this guy. I just need to get it done. You know, there's no second guessing. Yeah. If you get Austin Forkner's a game, any night, like uh, on race night, he can straight up just, he can beat anybody on a 250 in North America uh, in Supercross. I truly, truly believe that. Um, last guy that we're going to really talk about on the PC team, Seth Hamaker, um, showed crazy amounts of speed. He's, he's had an injury riddled start to his career, uh, with a, a ton of different issues, but honestly, like he, um, honestly looking at the, the way he rides supercross, he could very easily, uh, be the, the better of the two on the East coast, um, 
and, and challenge Hunter for wins. Uh, if not, take the championship. The guy, uh, he's 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 physically strong. He's a big kid. Um, if he can stay on two wheels, uh, he's he's a threat to win this cha- in the win the championship on the West. I truly believe that. Seth is an Ivan guy, right? I think he works with Ivan, I believe, a little bit more closely. Yeah, if I recall talk with Ivan, I think it was at Millville or something that he was talking that that's one of his guys that that he's has a hard time. I'm not going to say too much, but, you know, just that he he wants more for Seth, that he believes Seth can do more. Just Seth is not hasn't tapped into that yet. That greatness, that confidence, that uh, delivery in every lab, delivery in every race, getting those starts. and it's it's you kind of see that in Seth because he, he does have br- moments of brilliance and then he just kind of has a moto we just more outdoors he hasn't really had that many supercrosses because he got hurt after two rounds last year after a second and a third um it's just he seems to get in a funk at sometimes and just can't quite get that next level or you know just kind of sinks into his own men- mental I don't know whatever but I just want him to do well. I think he's fun to watch ride. Big, tall kid, like you said. Second and third last season after only two races got hurt. Just get through the season, man. I don't know if he's necessarily riding for a ride. He might be a pro circuit. No, I, actually, no. He just signed another two-year deal. So he's good through 23, 24 as well. So Mitch, so Mitch believes in him. And obviously, Mitch gives these guys some time and patience. And uh, just keep building South Hammocker and stay off the ground. Because I, I think he's got a good career ahead of him. Yeah, I don't think there's any rider coming into this um... 250 series that's maybe more underrated than Seth Hamaker. Not only did he podium at both the races he was at last year, he has nearly a 50% podium percentage across the first two years of his career at the races he's been at. He has had trouble staying on the racetrack, but if you're on the podium 50% of the time and he's been in the top five, I think seven of his 11 races, and now he's going into year three, which typically guys start to figure it out if they're going to figure it out. He is an extremely good supercross rider. And when he's gotten those good finishes, he's not doing it by pinning it and being out of control and stuff. He has a really smooth, fluid style. It's really good on the bike. I really like his his kind of transition through the ranks and into the pros. He had a lot of adversity. He wasn't the spoiled factory kid from the time he was on 50s all the way through. So he knows how to deal with adversity. Um, I think there's a ton of supercross talent there. And he's had, from as far as I know, a really clean off season as far as being healthy, getting the laps in, and really starting to build something as he comes into the season. Um, I look for him to stack a couple of wins this year, actually, and, and be on the, continue to be on the podium all the time. And if you're doing that, you're going to at least be lurking around that title fight. Um, I think that he is extremely underrated, and I expect big things from Seth Hamaker. Um, I think he will be the surprise of 2023 Supercross for those guys that aren't talking about him right yeah, now. Yeah, I, I, to look at my list again, I, I think Connor's clearly the favorite, but I think between Moseman, Shimoto, Thrasher, and, and Hammaker, I think those three, those four guys, they could they could all run, they could all kind of interlap. I really don't know who the favorite would be those four. Seth, I think, has the most unknown ability, like you said, but yeah, I agree with the checks, 100%. Good call. Absolutely. It's almost like the East has more talent. Um, nope, it does not. <laughs> uh, Jet Reynolds and Ryder DeFrancisco. Uh, we're not going to get to see Jet Reynolds until the outdoors, because uh, he's just got back on a turn track on a on a stock bike like three weeks ago. Had him on the podcast. He seems pretty bummed about how his pro career has started or not really started. Technically, he hasn't raced one yet. Uh, and then Ryder D is futures and and 250 east question mark he's from bakersfield i would expect him to race 250 west next year um but aside from that like i think we've kind of beat the 
um amateur kid not really racing but racing thing to death at this point but yeah copy paste or checkers you have something i have have one thing on the jet reynolds thing that we haven't touched with is sign these kids up to factory deals out of the 65 class it sounds like a brilliant idea jet reynolds matt leblanc hunter yoder and uh max voland all of them are around the same age I believe actually all signed their deals the same exact year. Mm-hmm. And so far it hasn't worked out for any of them. I just think it's absolutely ridiculous. I'm glad that that trend has gone from amateur moto. I just had to get that rant in there because that's basically what this whole show is. It seems like is ranting about 250 class crap. <laughs> oh, there's the, like the, the way to enter the class or rent to the pro- professional ranks of the sport is as disjointed as it could possibly be. Um, and I, I, I like for something that has almost a 50 year um, history that we haven't even come close to sort of boiling that down to a proper science. If anything, I thought, I think we had more of an idea of how it should be done 30 years ago compared to what it is now. Uh, let's move on to uh, Bar X Suzuki, which are, I believe they're writing uh, RM 125s. Um but uh like they also have an absolute <laughs> patchwork of uh of a rider sort of roster putting together um a lot of sort of uh, but they all what they do have is maybe the most preeminent and greatest team manager that a Suzuki team has ever uh, had and that is none other than Buddy and Tunez Budman himself um honestly I would probably like I would like their results a little bit better if Buddy was racing rather than as a, a team manager. But uh, yeah, they're going to go to battle with um, uh, Ty Masterpool, Robbie Wageman, uh, Derek Drake, and Mumford is hurt. So it's just those Mumford's three. Mumford's hurt. Just those three. Um, Boom. Who's going to lead this group? I think obviously, I think it's honestly Wageman, even though like he did not have the sparkly uh amateur career the way Derek Drake do it but like um Robbie Wageman is like a diesel engine he just keeps going uh he warms up throughout the series uh I think you'll probably find him in less LCQs than normal but even still like I think the kid's pretty solid honestly he's like the anchor of that team Ty Masterpool he might get a whole shot he might fist pump over the first triple and then wad his brains out uh really like fast kid but he's he showed nothing but a lot of propensity to hit the ground um and Derek Drake uh like I like they I guess he like he's not quite out of the sport just yet but I'd say he's about as close to a draft day bust as you can get in the supercross world um yeah I mean what this isn't this the first time is Ty Mashable race supercross yet I don't think has he I don't know if he has yeah he's yeah, competed he races in five, a privateer five supercross main events um, he did do five of them I you know I think Drake, Drake what is sorry his best finish is 13th um he missed all of last year with injury uh, okay. but yeah he's had five but he's he's also raced some other ones and missed main events so well first of all let me just say congratulations bud man one of my best friends love him to death his family um I think he's a great coach. These riders can learn a lot from him. Wageman, Drake, I think are, you know, they're top 10 riders. I, I would say they definitely Drake has run some solid top tens in his career. I think Wageman's a little more consistent run up there. Good riders. <clears throat> I don't see 
you know, there's good, there's riders who get just good rides and they make a living and they race and they extend their careers. And I think that's fantastic. We need, we need that in our sport. Although I don't think these guys are going to be next. They're not going to reach the next level. They're not, they're, their career's not going to all of a sudden elevate and it's, you know, top five, top three finishes. I don't, I don't, I don't think um, if anyone can do it, it's the bud man. But uh, I say good luck to all the team. Good luck to the riders. Let's see, get some top 10 finishes and, uh, and, and finish the season healthy, but I wouldn't expect anything too much and, and solid top tens. I, I would be happy with. I mean, I think Ty Masterpool first needs to try to uh, finish a season on the same team that he starts it on. That'd be a, that'd be a great place to start. Um, very little supercross experience. And, and honestly, his whole career to me has been a, a huge letdown. I still remember him watching him racing on 125 at Loretta's and he was the standout talent to me that year. He absolutely crushed everyone, a beautiful style on the bike that looked like it'd be great at supercross, but they never gave him the opportunity. The worst transition to pros I've ever seen probably by anybody um, that had that much support, just a complete mess of, is he going to race supercross? Does he not want to race supercross? What's the deal? Um, I don't have any high expectations for him. He maybe can win some LCQs. Um, um, Robbie Wageman on the other hand, I, absolutely think he's a rising star um i don't think he's going a step up or backwards necessarily with the motorcycle i think he maybe has a little bit more budget with the program and team i think he's actually getting a salary this year um which is something he hasn't had before he was in the top 10 every single main of any race last year um but he did fail to qualify for one the east west showdown in atlanta um he fell in the heat and then he missed salt lake injured but he was really really solid last year and he was in a good class um, it was eighths and ninths, but he was in the top 10 every race. If he were able to do that for another year, I don't think that's bad. I don't have a problem with the Suzuki 250 and Supercross too much for guys at that level. Like, is it the best bike in the class? No, but I think, you know, the starts aren't dug that deep and whatnot. And those bikes seem to be okay. Um, at least when they're, when they're staying together for them, I think Wageman could have another year, very similar to last year. And I think that would be a success. Um, and then Derek Drake, it's his fourth season of Supercross, and he hasn't had a top 10 since he joined the RM Army. Um, when he was on Troy Lee, he had some top 10s. Um, he was hurt in the offseason at World Supercross. I, The one thing he has is job security. He has uh, his chick's family, his part owner of the team, I believe, if I recall. So um, he has a little job security over there. Um, the kid has some serious talent or did as an amateur, but I haven't seen anything in Supercross that leads me to believe that He'll have any better of a year. I mean, if again, like everybody in the 250 class, stay healthy, get experience, finish races. Um, if he found some top tens, I think it'd be a huge success for him. But that's, yeah, he, I think that's a long shot. Yeah, show. he was at the cusp of top tens all last year. He finished every race, which was cool. All, all nine main events, he, he was finished. He went a 12th, yeah. a 13th, a 19th, which obviously crashed out. He had three 11ths in a row. You know, he was on the cusp because I remember I hired him a few times in fantasy at MXD 360 and and he would be just on the cusp. And I'm like, man, I just need one more spot to get that 10 point bonus and finish the season with a 16th, 12th and a 14th. So, you know, Waitsman didn't qualify for either one of the shootouts when they're while Drake did qualify in the one, um, but didn't have the top tens of Waitsman had. I think they're good riders and uh but you know, gets just got to just get a little bit better and, and a little bit more consistent and get up in that top ten a bit more. So, and Masterpool, I just hope he survives and like you said, stays on the same team because the kid is incredibly fast outdoors and he, he is fun to watch outdoors. So, I don't know. We'll see what these Zuggies do and uh, what the Budman can do with them.
Yeah, yeah, I think if anyone would get uh, some benefit from, from. tutelage from uh, Buddy Antonez, it's uh, Ty Masterpool. Uh, let's stay Suzuki, go to Hep Suzuki. Uh, Marshall Welton, from my understanding, he's still injured, uh, but he'll be racing 250 East. And then Dylan Schwartz on uh, the 250 West. I expect him to be a weekly feature in the LCQ. And... Um, more he will more than likely be a fantasy um but or just like a something that drives people uh, nuts in fantasy whether you're playing uh uh mx dream or uh or or pulp or any other fantasy game uh the cat the kid's a little bit frustrating because he'll show speed and then also uh hit the ground a bunch too so yeah, Schwartz is a much better outdoor rider, I, I believe. He's had yes. great results, you know. Um, Supercross last year, he went 15, 11, 17, and that was the last we saw of him. Um, Welton, I'm a big fan like Checkers is. He races the, a big race there in, in Iowa, Riverside Raceway, uh, Tony Wanks there in Winterset, Iowa. And he's won everything. So I love I love watching the kid race. He's got he's slowly gotten better. He's got these opportunities. And when he gets these opportunities, man, the kid delivers. So uh, he had some rough little out uh, Supercross rounds last year. I don't remember – where he got hurt. He got hurt during the outdoors last year. I don't remember which round, but I hope he does well. Iowa kid. I don't know if he's from Iowa, but he's races in the Midwest and uh, I'm looking for big things and have some fun. He's got Kenny on the team. So it can't hurt. Kenny might as well do something while he's over there and teach his kids how to race. Cause he's not going to win anything. <laughs> well, racing is one thing that, that Marshall knows how to do. He's, I like him because he races. He lines up um, prior to this, this deal, the fill in ride with Pep. I mean, he was chasing money races, getting gate drops in. Um, he made six main events last year and a 450 main event, so that's okay. But he's a bit big for a 250. No, better does he get with some support and a team? No, he's not big, not at all. No, he's he okay. He's anything he's tall back, but he is yeah, tall for sure. Um, his best finish was 11th last year. On I mean, he was on a full privateer program of his own on a YZ 250s after driving to the races so um i think just having a program to be able to fly into the races and stuff would be good um he's based out of club mx so or was i think he's actually staying out west now uh, with the team and whatnot um i think it could be a really good year for him and a good year for him would be being in every single main event and trying to hit that top 10 a couple times um dylan schwartz yeah he's had some great outdoor results and the, i think the guy has a ton of talent um, clearly Larry Brooks thinks that he has a lot of talent as he brought him over brought from him the bar X team yeah. with going over to that HEP team. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty big believer in Brooks. I've seen him do a really good job with guys. So, um, him taking Schwartz under his wing is, is cool. But again, what's the, the upside if he's in the top 10 more than he's not, that'd be an amazing season. So, um, but I don't think you start to see him even getting close to the top five or anything like that. In, in all honesty, I think you see Welton in, in a majority of the LCQs and, and Schwartz will probably be right around the 8-9 in the heat races, barely squeaking into main events and and stuff as well. I don't see them uh, lighting the world on fire by any means. What about the Club MX team, guys? Like, we're And we're going to get uh, – quickly, we're going to get to uh, some championship predictions and uh, a couple other categories. But, like, Club MX really took some step forward in previous years – uh, and this year, like they're bringing some heat, but they're also bringing some guys that have sort of let some people, I wouldn't say let people down, but like, like certainly like I've expected more out of them in the last uh, few years, Lopes, Martin, Nicoletti, Marchbanks, um, 
what are your thoughts, uh, Checkers? Well, I mean, Lopes took a huge step forward last year and went from a guy that really wasn't relevant to, um, he put in some really good rides. Um, he was fifth in points in 2022, um, six top 10 finishes. Only one of those was a top five, but again, he, he was getting the races in and he, he might've just got himself a career because otherwise I don't think he would have probably had a ride um, without a, without that breakout year. So if Lopes can do what he did last year, or even build a little bit, I think that he's a, he's a lock on that club team at that point, you know, like he'll be a, a good guy for them. Um, you go to Jeremy Martin, he's, he's been there, done that. He has six wins in the class. Um, he raced twice last year and it was a fourth and a second. So you can't say that he still doesn't have the speed and talent, but that was on a star Yamaha. Now he's on a club of Mech Yamaha. I think there is a big difference there. Um, it's his 11th season in the class. I mean, I think we know what we're going to get is he's not he literally turned pro on a carbureted motorcycle. Yeah. It's like, you know what old. you're going to get after this long, like um, he very well can end up on a podium and go really fast, but he's also probably not going to finish all the races. And if he does, he's still going to have ones that aren't that good. Um, I don't think you look at him anywhere near a title threat by any means. I think it would be a good year for him if he's in the top five and, say half the races i think that'd be an awesome year for him and club but i think their expectations are that they're bringing a title contender to the plate and i, think I don't so too. see that i don't see that whether it's rider or bike i don't see them being able to be in the in the title fight because you have to finish all the races oh yeah similar to how we talked about shimoda i don't even see him being the best guy under the truck like i i, I seriously think that like combine the coasts and i think lopes beats uh martin i like i in supercross Jeremy, like he, he's an outdoor two-time outdoor champion, but he's, he's a, he's very um, inconsistent. And uh, I don't think he feel, I don't see him feeling nearly as comfortable battling in supercross as he does outdoors, like outdoors. He's, he's, he's a completely different guy, he holds the throttle wide open and, and just hangs off of the thing. Whereas you can't do that in supercross. And when, when you talk about a guy like uh, Phil Nicoletti, like, he calls it death cross. I like, I, I don't, I'm not saying he doesn't want to be there, but he, for all intents and purposes, like he uh, seriously, the guy, like I, a lot of times that like, like, I think, I think Philip Nicoletti gets excited about Supercross until it's time to actually go there and race it. And then he's having a shit day the entire time. Um, and, and everything sucks and everything's this or that. Like, I, I seriously think that I, I don't expect him to be, he's going to be on the West. I think he's going to be, on a good night, he's fifth. On a bad night, he's 15th. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Nicoletti was actually a surprise to me last year because um, I had zero expectations. That's part of the reason it was a surprise. But he had yeah. some pretty decent rides. I mean, he was five for five for top fin finishes for the races he was at. Um, only one of them was a top five. But, I mean, he was him being in the top ten, I think, is a success and staying yeah. healthy and staying on the track. Um, and then the last guy on the team – also coming in injured, just like Jeremy Martin, who already had to move from west to east with his crashing. By the way, his last win was in 2018. It's It's been a little while. Um, Thank you. Speaking of a guy that had a win a while back um, that's coming in injured. De and Debo was still racing, riding at the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, this, I, these guys, are your, these guys are your west talent that you're pushing on me here right now. That you guys can't even, can't even stick up for yourself right now. Yeah. Tell me more about this west talent. Or this East Town. We've East talked town. about a plenty of East talent before this, but we do have some race winners on the East Coast. Um, March Banks had four top five finishes last year, um, and six in the top ten, eighth in the series, 
I think the, the big thing there is he's a big kid on a 250. Um, he has a lot of talent, but he hasn't found the consistency. And coming in injured isn't the way to find that consistency. So I don't think uh, – I don't have super high expectations for March Banks just because of that. Uh, but the talent's there if he can be healthy and riding and, and come in somewhere near 100%. I mean, I think you you can see him find a podium and sniff some top fives. He's a he's a very talented rider. It's just he's up against a very tough East Coast. Big kid. March Banks has a lot of weight. Uh I think he rides a 450 better. I wish he was, I wish they would have transitioned up to 450. He's had some great uh, 2D finishes. <clears throat> He's come for pro circuit as well. Uh, I think all four of those guys, I think obviously Marks Banks is probably the cream of the crop when it comes to Club MX. J-Mart, I think he hit it on the absolute head. Uh, Segway was perfect there. Brad, in 2021, the very first heat race, he comes around the first turn. There's a rhythm section. He's got two of the kids all around him, and I know this exact feeling. That's why I said I decided I didn't want to race anymore. Is when you question whether or not you're going to jump this rhythm section, just triple it, and decide to double it. When you got four 18, 19-year-olds all around you who are going to jump, as they did that first lap, and he got landed on and tried to race, got hurt. Um, I think that he has very gotten older. He's a little gun shy when it comes to Supercross. I think you said that perfectly. I think he was hired by club to win outdoors. That's what he wants to win. So my goal for Jeremy Martin is to get to Supercross healthy because I can't wait to watch him outdoors because he he rides that motorcycle like, a, like it's on fire. Um, March Banks, like again, I said, will do well. I think Nicoletti will run top 10 uh, consistently. He was good last year, even though as, as angry as he is, why he's there. And Lopes, I think, is another top 10 kid. So they got four good riders. They got one really pretty good rider with March Banks. Um, just get through all four guys and, uh, and stay healthy and get in the top 10 and move to outdoors. Cause I, I, need, I don't think any of them are going to get a race win, but you know, they're, they're kind of a next level down satellite team. Are they supposed to get race wins? I know they want to, and they're getting better every year, but uh, they're putting, put in for a good show and hopefully their bikes stay together and keep running because they don't keep those things running very often. Yeah. I, I expect them to be like sort of that lead satellite team that uh, doesn't have factory support, but, uh, their guys are going to beat guys who have factory support um on a on a few nights uh same can be said about mcr uh mitchell oldenburg and uh and anthony rodriguez uh oldenburg has a little bit meat up more meat on the bone than a rod does a rod coming off uh the prior to getting ready for the supercross season the last time he had raced supercross or ridden supercross was 2019 um which is a little bit of a head scratching signing on my from from my point of view but he just came off of a bunch of race wins and doing really well in Brazil, which like winning is winning, but like, I don't, I also didn't see that uh, MCR signed Ryan Brees, who's also been doing a lot of racing and winning in stadiums around the world. Um, yeah. We're like uh, checkers. What are you thinking on, uh, on MCR? Like uh, they've, they've got two guys who uh, like, they've got a good pedigree, uh, but it's also not 2016. <laughs> Well, I think uh, Mitchell Oldenburg has is, is really found a home over there. That's probably bringing out the best of him because he was the stereotypical 250 guy of, of go really fast and crash my brains out. Um, Mitchell, I think, with the tutelage of, of Tony Lassi is it settled him down a little bit. And, I mean, remember, he missed the main event at Minneapolis last year at the opener of East because his bike wouldn't run on the starting line of the, That's right. the heat race. And then he didn't qualify out of the LCQ. But – other than that, I mean, he was fourth in the series on a not factory bike. Um, I think their bikes are actually really, really good. He had four top five finishes and a podium. 
Um, I think he has a ton of talent. I think he'll be better with another year over there. Um, he's had a, you know, he got to race some world supercross and I think he's found a home. So I think you see more of the same from Oldenburg. I don't know if he squeaks another podium or not. He might just at the end of the year, because I think he'll stay on the track because I think he's kind of gotten over that hump to where he's, he's more of a consistent guy that can be there. Um, the Rodriguez thing. I mean, the last time he raced here was 2019 and his last two seasons here, he only had three top 10 finishes at all. Like, I don't know what you expect. I mean, he's been battling. I saw he's battling with Josh Hill down in Brazil. Like he goes pretty solid, but that's also in his home country. I do think this is probably the best program that Rodriguez has ever had. And he's been over here for a while and riding. My guess is that it's Honda putting a little pressure on, uh, on Moto Concepts and giving them a rider to put in the place of um, uh, Vince Friese, who's not lining up at the beginning of the year, at least. And doesn't sound like he'll be on a 250 at all when he does line up. Um, a sidelined is what I was told uh, by the team. So well, interesting sure. there. And then did I hear you say so, that they signed Brees and I hadn't seen that yet? No, just I just saying, said it was curious that they would they would sign Anthony Rodriguez and Ryan oh, Brees is yeah. working construction as far as I know. Yeah, um, I would have taken Brees over Rodriguez in a heartbeat, yes. but I would have to think that the you know there's a lot of people that ride motorcycles and race and mopeds down in Brazil, so I'm guessing that Honda wants to keep. Um, from what I hear, I was listening to something and and they were talking about how. Uh, Rodriguez is like a celebrity in Brazil and like gets invited to movie sets and stuff like that. So having, making that That's rider amazing. happy, probably in a priority for Honda and MCR also needed to fill us, fill a spot. More of a promotional tool than anything that sounds like. Yeah. I don't, I remember he was here. He rode Yamaha, I think briefly. I think top he's, 10. He was on star. For him. He's a, he was an MTF um, kid. Uh, yeah. yeah well, star uh, before star was good though. Yeah, yes. yeah, that's right for sure. So I mean, just making mains for him would be good. Oldenburg actually surprised the hell of me last year, and those those Hondas run really well. He's obviously learned his starts. Um, you know, I, I I actually had him much lower in my original projections um, when we did our draft checkers, and he's he actually I forgot he got a fourth. I forgot these top fives he had. I forgot that podium he had. He actually really had a great season last year, and I actually ended up drafting Jordan Smith over Oldenburg, and you took Oldenburg right after me. And uh, after I after you said that, I went hmm, and I kind of checked it. And I'm like, uh, you got, you got sniped. Pick. That was good pick checks. So yeah, he did snipe me and it was smart because I, I was lost and he was sitting, I, we were doing it through zoom and I knew he was kind of just waiting, waiting, waiting. And I took Jordan Smith and uh, he jumped at Oldenburg like before he got mine out. <laughs> Cause he knew what he wanted to get. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think he's going to do well. I think he's found a great home. Just like checker said, I agree with everything, you uh, verbatim almost get good starts. Bikes are great over there. And, uh, good things I, I hope he can get up in the top five as well because um he's had a rough year and i know when he hit that podium at st louis last season i think he was in tears on the podium he was so happy didn't know he was ever going to come to him again and so so more power to the team and i'm a fan of tony lessie i think he's done a great job with uh with the program and, and tony over there um all of them so more power to the team and the fact they that they did sideline vince freezy because of his uh world supercross antics and uh whatever he did over there as we all know good for them uh, uh, hats off to him for for standing up for what's right in the sport. I just, yeah, I, I want to know uh, why uh, Grant Harlan didn't just take the two grand. Like it's like he probably needs two thousand dollars. <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, um, we, we got quite a few more guys to touch touch on here. Checkers, I know you're up against it on the clock a little bit because you got some to get to. Um, is there anybody else on the list that you wanted to talk about specifically? I kind of guys that jump off the page for me is guys like my, Max Anstey, who is racing a firepower Honda in the 250 class. 
Uh, and uh, same thing. And also uh, I wanted to talk about uh, Josh for He's a kid that uh, is kind of was part of that orange brigade crew that really didn't turn into much. Unfortunately, he's one of the youngest of that group. Uh, same thing with like Max Miller, Mitchell Falk, who's now a realtor um, and, and stuff like that. Is there anybody else that sort of like jumped off the page at you that you wanted to discuss aside, alongside with uh, the team solitaire team, which I, I can't get off this podcast without giving my Canadian content and letting you guys know how much of an absolute menace to this class Cole Thompson is going to be. But uh, yeah, like uh, throw it down, boys. Well, I think well, I, I, go, go ahead, Jeff. Oh, okay. Um, uh, Max Ancy, uh, great, uh, great world supercross. You know, I think he found a lot of confidence over there. Um, I'm expecting him to come in here with balls, balls of, uh, you know, ready to, to make some shit happen. Um, Cole Thompson and Max, I think they're battling for having the hottest wife. So kudos to those two. Um, other than that, um, I don't think yeah, I definitely give it to Cole. We can skip over Max Ancy. He was really, really good on a 450 making main events, and now he's going down into the kids class and he's an adult at this point that's going to be their finished races and i saw a lot of speed from him in the, those off-season races um i think that the the program over there is solid it's well funded um so i think that he should be really good uh i don't want to skip over uh colin park he was rookie of the year last year oh, yeah had a couple top tens um on the phoenix honda program another solid program that just delivers how about uh yeah. caden braswell is we gonna be we gonna be seeing Caden racing? Or is, I know he's probably gonna ride. Uh, I think so. One possible future sounds like he's, he's gonna ride east, right? I think yeah. it sounds like East Coast the whole series after he does the one futures, then all of East um, that we will see Braswell, um, Jay Sowen over there is also somebody that's, that's really good. Um, you can see him in the top ten quite often. I mean, you won't notice it; he'll be quiet, but he'll be about eighth place probably. And um, he's like the new school Kyle Peters, which it doesn't sound like we there's a good chance we won't see Peters at all. Um, he's over there winning the arena cross title or trying to, and then um, there's a chance that we'd actually don't even see him in Supercross. Um, you mentioned Verizzi. He had four top 10 finishes. Um, it's his third season. He's been on really, really good equipment for two years already um, yeah. and really hasn't done a ton with it in Supercross. Um, the, obviously the KTM group guys really like him and have supported him well. Um but he needs to, I think, put up some results if he wants to keep that stat. Derek Kelly, on the other hand, on beside him, had a breakout year last year. Um, I think he was 13th in the series with some top 10s. Um, I think three three top 10s last year. So he's pretty good. Um, looking at the rest of the list, I mean, there's there's definitely a lot of talent. Like um, the PRMX team is coming in with uh, Devin Simonson, who two years ago was really, really good. I believe it was two years ago. And then he yep. was dealing with some head injury stuff. Um I like, think the kid has a ton of talent, really like the kid. Um, so he could do something. Who knows what Natsuki can do in Supercross? I'm guessing there's probably be a lot of crashes there. Um, it's Yoder's second year. I think he's on a little more solid program this year. So I think that that should potentially help. I mean, the kid was a Geico Honda kid coming up. He has a ton of talent. Yeah. He's a huge question mark for me. He's he's either going to be awesome or... Um, but he's got to get some results. How about with Dominic Thury? The German, with the dog, Dominique. Yeah, he's at. Uh, he's with Solitaire, correctly. I think. Yeah, I yes. think he's had some great. He's had some great results too. Um, he rode some four fifties last year. Uh, I see definitely some top ten finishes for him as well. What do you think, Chex? 
Um, Thurry, I think, had a top 10 at A1 last year, right? He got a ninth. I think that yep. was his, his best finish. Um, at that program, is it's not the, the highest budget program at Team Solitaire, but they do a lot with a little. Um, Ryan Clark's been there, done that. He's been putting that program together, just gradually building it year after year. Um, I know their bikes are really fast and they pull some hole shots. So race tech engines, you know, <laughs> I think that, that they're in Thompson. Well, there'll be a menace to some of the fact, because I mean, I don't know what you consider factory or like the Suzuki guys, stuff like that. Yeah. But I mean, as Wageman showed, he was in the top 10 on that bike, every single main event last year. Um, that's a good program. So like I said, might not be the most well-funded. It's a couple of new riders over there, but it's a chance for Thurry to, to really show. And I mean, Cole Thompson's been, he's been really good before. Um, he was pretty decent last year on his own program. And now he has a program of some, some support. So he should be good. Um, and we can't skip over the, the AJE guys either. I think um, Politelli is a big dude. Speaking of big dudes with March banks, um, he's dude. riding the 250 over there. Austin's um, got 10 pounds on me. Which yeah, he's a big dude, and I mean he has a ton of talent. But I mean, I, I see him being a main event guy every year or every weekend. Uh, Jerry Robin, that's a big question mark. You know, he he was hurt all of last year, just trying to make night shows to to pay the bills with with Jerry. But he has some speed. Um, if he's in every main event and just finishes every main event, I would be happy. But I don't really see that. You know what you're going to get with him at this point. Um, and Mitchell Harrison, his best finish last year was 13th. He's back with that program. Um, you see him in every main event, nothing really jumps off the page there with him either. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Last thing I'll say about Cole Thompson is that, uh, he gets kind of a bad rap, um, about being in a lot of dramatic things. Obviously up here in Canada, it's easy to get into those sort of things. Cause there's like four fast guys in either class. Um, and uh and and he just has he has he makes no bones about uh sticking his nose wherever he wants to put it whether you think that's a bad thing or not doesn't really matter he will provide entertainment um and uh and honestly i I think he he has confidence that if he gets a good start he's going to fight tooth and nail to stay there uh so that's why i i like that signing for uh for team solitaire but uh yeah Yeah, boys if, if you guys go ahead as I say, yeah, it'll probably be a little saucy over there on the heartbeat hot sauce uh, Yamaha with Cole oh, yeah. Thompson over there. I'll be serving it up hot sauce. Uh, let's let's roll straight into uh, top five predictions, uh, or perhaps a little bit of a uh, some banter back and forth as to uh, which class is the more difficult class to win championship wise. Um, there are a lot well, of different arguments can, that can be made. Um, I'll, I'll let Denny make an ass of himself first and then I'll throw it to you checks. I'd never, you see the question I I've asked multiple times. I've asked it on Facebook. I've asked it on, uh, on Twitter and, and you guys as well. You gave me five riders. I didn't ask you the five fastest riders were in each, each region. I want to from top to 20, first to 20 at the top 20, who has the most depth in the West has the most depth. It's not even questionable. Lopes is faster than Owen. Wageman's faster than Braswell. Nick Galetti's faster than Welton. Kelly's faster than Miller. Cole Thompson faster than Hardy Munoz. These, I mean, the bottom half is from 11th to 15th. 11th to 20th is faster in the West than it is in the East. And I'll give you the top three in the West are faster than the guys in the East. 
And there's like a little bit and there's like five questions marks in there about six to 10. It might be with hamburgers faster. Thrasher, Mark's Banks ain't faster than uh, Styles, I don't think. Swole ain't faster. I don't think Swole is even faster than Levi. Ansi and Jordan Smith are a push. Jo Jeremy Martin might be faster than Bol Bolin. Who knows? Wolderberg's definitely faster than Viale. I don't see where you guys got your depth at. I mean, obviously you got more race winners, but Jeremy Martin's race win was, in, was, was what, 2018. You just uh, said Jeremy Martin is maybe better than Max Voland. Max Voland has done four races his entire career and has never been in the top five. Jeremy Martin. No, I said Levi Kitchen was maybe year. faster than. I said Levi Kitchen was maybe faster than Swole. I did not see Jeremy Martin was maybe faster than Boland. You guys all think? No, I did. Maybe you know we need, know we need right now the red flag. Three of the top <laughs> progressive red flag. Top four points earners hmm. from last year are on the East I Coast. Don't care. Jet Lord. Four of the top six of the most points on us from last year are on the East Coast. Jet is faster than Hunter. Fortner's faster than race winners instead of four. Nah, you're full of shit. I'm telling you, the top three are faster than the deeper. Whether or not you're going to make the whole series, Fortner's faster than Moseman. McAdoo's faster than Shimoda. RJ and Thrasher. Thrasher's faster than OJ. RJ. Hammerger's faster than Pierce. But when it comes to the middle group Not right correct. there, you can the jumble the list however you want. I mean, I can move up Hunter Yoder to the top of the list so that it's, it's off balance. It's it's yeah. absolutely ridiculous. You, you don't even have the star guys. What in guys you going to move around? What the, guys you going to move around? The faster than the West. In the East, it's going to be West. You cannot tell me that the East is deeper from first to twentieth than the West from first to twentieth. All right. Well, we're going to agree to disagree. Maybe can, can I hear who your top five guys are on the West at least? Me, I'll go first because I am correct all the time, not like you checkers. <laughs> I got the obviously Jet winning the championship. Um, I got Forkner running second. I got McAdoo who's going to survive the season. Uh, let's get it done, Cam. Uh, Ram, Cam. I got Hampshire in fourth, and I have Styles Robertson in fifth. So Jet, Austin, Cameron, RJ, Pierce. I actually have Pierce Brown in fifth. I'm sorry. Pierce Brown over Stylus. What do you got, Jaggers? Well, what's crazy is uh, as much as we disagree, I agree in my top five is exactly the same. Although you almost have me convinced that Styles Robertson could be that fifth place guy because I don't have – I might have talked myself out of Pierce Brown even though I think he's a lot faster. Um, I think Styles maybe has a chance to take that jump up. You might have convinced me, but literally my top five is exactly the same order, the exact same guys. I can't. That's crazy. It. That is crazy. What What do you got, Brad? Uh, yeah. I, I honestly, I, I left Styles out just because I I don't know what to make of him uh, as far as like him ma making a step forward. Uh, I actually have Levi Kitchen in the fifth place spot. Uh, just behind RJ Hampshire. I, I know I, I see you shaking your head at me. Uh, Cameron McAdoo, Austin Forkner, Jet Lawrence. Yeah, well, that's funny. We can argue all day and still end up the same. <laughs> well, well that's you your, honestly, like that's your pecking order. And every single one of these guys yeah. has been in the, in the class long enough to establish that pecking order. Like there's like, yeah, there's not, there's no argument that can be made that Cameron McAdoo is better than Austin Forkner on pure speed. Like you can't say, oh, what if they crash? What if there's injuries? that's too many what ifs like you have to yeah. just take these guys at what their stock is and austin forkner is faster than mcadoo uh consistently mcadoo's faster than Hampshire. and honestly I, like I, in that class you could throw a blanket over fourth or fifth 
through 12th, and it's basically the same damn guy. That's how that's because the east, the west is so deep. That's why. Go on. Okay. So, <laughs> who's, the guy that who's your two- pretty much terrible Pierce Brown? You have slotted in, sl- slotted in fifth spot. <clears throat> yeah. Well, he uh, can run fifth. And that, that's not a problem for him. It's the winning the races is the problem. And there, and there will be injuries and there will be uh, shenanigans that go on. It is the 250 uh, class after all. Yeah. Uh, still in my heart, it's the 125 class, but whatever. Um, 250 West Sleeper. I'm going to go with Enzo Lopes. I think that he could be a guy who, uh, I think he gets his first podium this year. Wow. Yeah. I remember when uh, I was, I remember when he first showed up at JGR and, and nobody really, when they hired him, was kind of out of the blue um, and watching him develop from then when he's obviously came in a little over his head and getting better each season. I'm a big fan of Enzo as well. Uh, My sleeper, I'm going to go with Max Anstey who hasn't really done much on the 250. He's done some great things on the 450. He had a great off season on the 250. Uh, my sleeper is, uh, is, will be Max Anstey on the West. Um, I'm yeah. sorry, guys. I think hell might have frozen over because I agree with Denny again. I have my Jeez. sleeper written down as Max Anstey. Um, I don't see Lopes well, getting near A lot podium. of people are sleeping on him, so that helps. I, yeah. I think, I mean... Anstey was solid on a 450. I think that has to go a long ways. I, yep. You know, he's going back to the kids class where he's going to be consistent. Um, and he, speed's not a problem for him. So um, as far as on the other side, the underachiever, um, you had him in your top five. I think it's Levi Kitchen. I think he's extremely overhyped. Not a lot of supercross experience. I think he has a lot of talent um, on a motorcycle. I hope I'm wrong, but I think he's our underachiever in the 250 West. What about you, Denny? Uh, I'm going to go with Max Boland. Um, just haven't seen anything from him indoors yet. He's on a factory ride. He's expected to run a little bit better. I know the checkers and I, and I didn't say anything bad about Max in the fact that the way they've handled his career. I think he's, he's great. I think the way he's been racing, but um, his supercross experience so far, has just been atrocious. So uh, with his, with his, where he's at in his career, where he's at, what team he is, um, I think he's going to be a little bit of a, uh, underachiever in, in 2023 in Supercross. Fair enough. I'll I'll uh, I'll go with uh, Pierce Brown. I think he is like uh, he's vanilla ice cream of 250 guys. Like he like he doesn't stand out. Like there's so many times it's just like he either crashes out or he has like a vanilla ninth place finish or a seventh place finish, and that's not going to cut it to stay on a factory factory equipment. Even though you guys have him, uh, he's signed up until 2030. Um, kind of blowing my mind with that signing. Like, uh, it's, someone's doing some some Canadian math on on his results. But you know what? You guys said he he got what third in the championship last year. Like that is third or 43, fifth. Forty three points down. I mean, that's that's insane. Uh, he's basically not in the same zip code as some of those guys. Yeah. Uh, I think he would have to really jump off the page at me to uh to to have him like not be uh, an underachiever this year. Uh, and as far as my hot seat guy who needs to produce in order, uh, like in order to keep his job and then continue to race, uh, I think is styles Robertson. I think if you're moving f- uh, from like, I think he's extremely fortunate to have gotten the position he's at uh, with star racing and you better produce with it. Otherwise uh, the sport of motocross will give you the old heave ho pretty damn quickly. What do you think checkers? Um, I think he's pretty young. And like I said, I, I think Denny convinced me that he's going to have a pretty good year. And I actually think he, I think he got a two-year deal 
Yeah, it's, it's the years of signing two-year deals with everybody. I mean, with the new 250 rule, I guess you could stay in the class for 14 years. And I mean, J-Mart's there for 11 already. So I guess it maybe makes sense. They're going to be a little more patient with guys. Um, my hot seat guy, I talked about it a little bit ago, is, is Josh Farisi. To think to stay on um, equipment as, as good as he's been getting and with, with the KTM guys kind of keeping keeping an eye on him. Um, I think that they placed him on that AEO program because they're very involved with it. Um, but I think he has to put up some actual results eventually. It's not just because they like him that they're going to keep doing it. Yeah. Well, my, well, my uh, hot seat guy, it's not necessarily for a ride. It's just Austin Fortner. Um, he's been in his class a long time. He needs to start getting some, not needs, but I know for his own self-worth, he's going to want to get some wins. This hot seat is probably as much for himself and how he feels about his career so far. And probably for Mitch as well. Mitch has had a lot of patience. Um, you know, I don't know what he's doing this summer. I don't know what he's doing next year. But for Austin Forkner personally himself, his own self-worth, he needs to get some wins under his belt and maybe get a title here, or at least finish the whole season before this thing becomes another bust. So that's my uh, hot seat guy. Fair enough. And now let's move over to the incredibly stacked, incredibly deep 250 East class Top five, Denny Stevens. I'll let you kick it off. You said earlier this is the deepest class in the 250s, and I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, yeah, like give, give me your top five, man. Uh, <laughs> um, I've got Hunter up front. I got Hunter pulling away this thing. Um, you know that, like I said in, earlier, that the top, the next four, you could throw a, kind of a blanket over where they could finish. But I got Moseman in second. I got Joe finally stepping up a little bit, maybe getting a win this year or another win. Uh, making two uh, in third, Nate Thrasher in fourth, and Seth Hammaker um, in fifth. And I got Garrett Barchbags there in sixth. I'll throw that one in there. But I think those four riders, Moseman, Shimoda, Thrasher, Hammaker, they could totally go the opposite way. I wouldn't be surprised, but uh, this is kind of where I got them right now. Well, they're not exactly the same this time, so so I guess that's good. Um, we do Mine's have the same well guys, flipped. actually. But in uh, – in fifth place, I think he'll have a great year. Um, I think he's super underrated, but I just the class is so deep. He's going to be fifth as Nate Thrasher. Um, I see good things from him. I think Joe Shimoda starts to prove himself a little bit in Supercross, but I don't see, like I said, I don't see him as a title contender still. Um, I think you'll see the podium. The one thing he'll have is consistency that might move him up higher, but I have him in fourth. Uh, third, I have Michael Moseman. Um, I think it'll be pretty similar to last year for him. Um, in second, I think I said, I think he's the most underrated guy is Seth Hammaker. I think he's going to be really, really good. I think he's going to, to stand out. And I also have Hunter Lawrence as your 250 East champion. That's awesome because that, that, that like gives me the chance to be right on this one is that I have like Similar to Checkers, I have Thrasher in fifth. I think he's going to be good, but I don't think he's going to be great. That puts him in fifth, just behind Michael Moseman. And I think Michael Moseman is going to get multiple wins, but he's, his worst night is what's going to spell his championship. Uh, he's not going to be consistent enough up front um, and keeping his nose clean like he needs to be. That's just what I, from based on what I've seen from him in the past and the fact that I don't think there's a guy in Supercross or Motocross right now who has less talking about him. Maybe he comes out and just absolutely lights the world on fire, but I sincerely doubt it. That's why I have him in the four spot. Just 
behind Joe Shimoda, who is going to round out the podium. I think he's going to be a podium guy more often than not, but I don't think he has nearly as much speed uh, as the two top guys. I think you have Hunter Lawrence in second and bringing a, 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 a number one plate to Pro Circuit Kawasaki for the first time in a lot of years. Seth Hamaker. Wow. I, know I was thought I was high on Hamaker. <laughs> Holy cow. I mean, I like that. Yep. I like the, thing, the way you think, but I don't think that's, yeah, I don't think there's any chance in hell of that happening. No. <laughs> Zero. I mean, Hunter Lawrence is going to be the only guy in the class that gets a podium in every race, quite simply by being Hunter Jeff Lawrence. Hamaker. I mean, Hamaker, I mean, I, I mean, hey, it's, it's, a, it's a big shot out the window there. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, it, it sounds like I'm swaying you already. Sounds like you're agreeing no, you're with me already. Uh, All right. Hamaker does nearly a 50% podium ratio in his career. It's not as good as Hunter Lawrence's, but it's it's pretty good. Yeah, that's 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 a it, the only way Seth Hamaker wins that title is if Hunter gets hurt. That's the only way. That's the only way anyone doesn't win the title other than Hunter. If there's Fair a enough. sniper in the stands, the only way Hunter Lawrence doesn't win his title is if there's a sniper in the stands. <laughs> so I, I might have to dust off my sniper skills then. Um <laughs> But uh, let's go to our our sleeper for the series. I think it's Jeremy Martin. I think a lot of people are sleeping on this guy. Uh, I still don't think he's a top five guy in the championship standings by the end of it. But I think that um, he's going to have some standout nights where people are reminded that he can still go pretty damn fast, even though he's probably got some gray hairs sprouting up here and there. The only way that Jeremy Martin is the sleeper of the series is if he's at home sleeping in his bed, not even at the races, because I don't see it that at all. Um, okay. He did have a second and okay. a fourth last year, and he is a past winner, and that makes the 250 East super deep, but I don't see that. Um, I went way off the charts with my sleeper. Mentioned him earlier, Devin Simonson. I, I predict that you'll see him in every main event, and I think he'll start to creep towards the top 10. Um, which he's, I think you'll also see him sleeping the, on the side of the track. Four, but it's been a while and obviously no one's talking about it <laughs> that did happen uh, my sleepers the rookie Caden Braswell uh I got to go down this uh Loretta's for the week and hang out with checkers and watch pretty much all of Caden's motos I thought the kid rode awesome uh he he his craft was smart his lines were smart um he rode the 450 so he's used to a big bike uh, the 250 isn't isn't something new to him or not new to him but it's not it's, I think he can throw the bike around a lot I think he got totally hosed I think Phoenix Honda is a great ride. There's no insult to them, but he beat all the superstars that were down there, kicked their ass, won the Nikki Hayden Horizon Award, and, uh, yeah. and no one's even talking about him. So I'm a huge fan of the, of, the, of the young man. I have not met him or spoken to him. I gave him a big old positive post on, or comment on his Instagram, telling him good luck, go kick some ass, and uh, I'm hoping to see big things from him. Um, I hope he proves everyone wrong that he kind of got overlooked because of a uh, rider and uh, Hymas and. Um, the Jose Husky young rider. Um, we never talked about him. Do you? Barry? The 71. <laughs> I'm oh. a blank on his name. Hawkins? Hawkins. Yeah. 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 So he, he? Uh, they all got rides. Yeah. He's a, uh, he's a Husky guy. He's got a ride to be riding futures with them, I believe. So, so oh, anyways, sake. that's my sleeper, Caden Braswell. I'm hoping to see big things from the rookie uh, on the Phoenix Hunt. I believe they got a good program and uh, hopefully we'll see him up, run some top tens possibly or at least qualify in every main event some top tens and actually out there racing with the big boys learn some shit fair and enough goes over to our uh our underachiever now which maybe for us it's not even an underachiever but outside of our circles i've i've been listening and reading and you know obviously paying attention and 
I hear people talking about Jordan Smith and how great he's going to be and how he's a title contender. And I mean, I mean like I said, he, his last podium was three or four years ago. I mean, I don't care if you put him on a 450. Well, he'll just crash it harder. But I mean, I don't care that he's on a star Yamaha. I don't see him even in a picture for a title title fight. And I have to see a lot of people putting him there. There's no way that he's the title contender. He's the underachiever. Um, I have Tom Viale as the uh, underachiever just because everybody's given a little bit more credit, I think, just because of his world championship skills, which he is a fantastic, incredible rider. Um, but Supercross is a very difficult sport. It's much different than the outdoors, in my opinion. And I think I'd just be happy if he survives. I don't see him running top five or podiums at all, like a lot of these people are coming in blowing smoke. Um, Tom Viale, world champion, former world champion, maybe possible AMHUD motocross champion, but we'll be lucky to run top five, top tens in Supercross. My underachiever. Yeah, my under, underachiever is the same guy who's on the hot seat. I don't think that he has a, a contract until 2030 like these other guys. It's uh, Jalex Swole. Uh, unless he can figure out the the whoops and 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 be a guy who has like good starts and really starts to change some people's minds about his skills in Supercross, I think that uh, he's going to. Um, I, I think he's going to have another hard year. And that's unfortunate for a kid who I'm, I'm sure he works very, very hard. Uh, but uh, I, I'm very, uh, I'm calling me as skeptical uh, of Jalex Wool at this point, And I expect him to uh, underachieve and, uh, and for that seat to get pretty hot, even though it's a gut seat, uh, which is, which is lightweight and uh, more comfortable and probably grips better than any other seat out there. <laughs> well, I would agree with you. I, I would have Swole on my hot seat as well. He's still got, he had a terrible last season last year. He's got a lot to prove to keep this ride going. I, I have a kind of an idea where he might be going in 2024, but I won't be remote, uh, giving that out at this point. But uh, I think it's, no, it won't be beta, but something maybe like that. But yeah, I, I, yeah, he's got to do some, he's got to do a little bit better than he has. And, uh, you know, he's got to get some, he's got to get some podiums by this point in his career, for sure. But he got checks. Straight. Yeah. Well, I'm just guessing on the triumph thing because I've been hearing Ferry link to it. And I know that Ferry's been like a second dad to him. Um, but my hot seat is uh, is Nick Romano. I, I haven't seen anything from him. He's on a star Yamaha. And we've all seen Bobby likes to spit them out if they're not performing. And so far, he hasn't performed at all. Um, I think it's a very big year for him. And it sucks because, as we talked about, he's a true rookie. And I'd love to see him just go get some top tens and get through the year. But I don't know if that's enough to uh to stay on the team it's like bobby will go grab guys that only get one top five and put them on the team but if they if they don't perform on on the team then you just get rid of them so um coming from that, that's out, always so curious about, that's always curious about star racing they will sign guys that if those same guys had those results on their team they wouldn't be able to keep their job but I, I think it comes down to they think that and and they do they have the program they have the and they do yeah so, so they you know they're going into it I remember I think it was actually it was either Denny or somebody was in a text was when they had announced Jordan Smith and Styles Robertson they said Bobby's just getting cocky now that he can fix anyone and turn anyone into a winner um, and I'm sign I, Denny right I genuinely away genuinely think that's their attitude and that's why um, I think that they know that their program is really good and um, even yeah. when it wasn't I think they thought their program was really good but now it, it is. Well, it's kind of like Mitch's old mentality of pro circuit. You know, he he would hire any of these guys, and most of the guys he could hire for free, cheaply, because he had the best bikes. Troy Adams. And they're the first, 
they were the first ones to jump on there and get those four, four strokes running like fire breathers. And he could have anyone come in and ride, you know, he had Ramsey, he had Langston, he had all these guys coming back from miserable careers on four fifties and said, okay, we'll come ride for you Mitch for free. And he's like, okay, well, that's what we'll do then. And, and they would do well. And I think that Bobby's kind of driving that same mentality and you can't really have guys dropping down these days. So he's just trying to pluck guys out. He thinks they got talent that might just be fire breathers and, and make something happen. But I don't know he's kind of got the mix of the young guys coming up and wanting everything, want them to deliver right away. And then he's kind of bringing some of the older guys back. And uh, I don't know, I guess when you got that much success and clearly that much uh, money that you can kind of spend and have, you know, six or seven 250 riders on your, on your uh, canopy at the same time, you, you can do it. So I don't know. We'll see more power to him and more rides is, is great for the sport. Fair enough. Before I let you guys go, Denny, uh, tell me a little bit about uh, MX dream 360. Well, it's Moto X Dream 360.com, or you can easily go to it as mxd.com or mxd360.com, or anywhere my name is, you can find it. Uh, we're giving away a Storm Lake Honda CRF 110, courtesy of our friend Jeff Schultz over there in Storm Lake, Iowa. And I also talked with uh, my old longtime friend Jeremy McGrath last week. He's going to be donating an autographed set of gear. So basically, and the way we're doing that, all you have to do is sign up to play the game. We'll do a year-end drawing, a season-end drawing at uh, Salt Lake City to give away the gear. So you don't have to be a fast uh, fantasy Supercross master. Just sign up, get playing, and uh, you got your names in the hat for the drawing at the end of the year. So get signed up at mxd mxd360.com and uh, play some fantasy Supercross. What do you got, Chex? And if, if you want some more fantasy, um, you can head on over to airwheeliesonly.com. We have a game called Supercross Survivor, the only game of its kind. We do not do a 250 version. We tried it once, and I think it lasted like five rounds, and everybody was out. because. And it, you pick one rider, and all they have to do is finish in the top 10. Our 250 game, we made it top seven. And like I said, if, if once you've picked them, you can't pick them twice, but as long as your guy finishes in that spot – you get a stay. All the info is on airwheelysonly.com. It's a hundred percent payout fun thing that we do just for, for fun and something different to play. But yeah, the two fifty one was an absolute disaster. Um, and then it also truly, while a you're game, it, truly a game of survivor aider, brother. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Denny has not good at the game. So if you want to kick yeah. a Supercross champions, butt, sign up, if you make it to round two, you will beat Denny. I've donated three times and lost in the first round, first race in the 450 race. I picked Anderson at Anaheim in 21. He was, he didn't top 10 the first race. I don't even remember who I picked for the 250 when you tried that. He didn't top seven in the first race. Last year, at least, I think I made it about halfway and lost, but it sounds a lot easier than it is. And it's a fun game that uh, I'm glad That's Checkers awesome. making it happen. So you guys should definitely check it out. And also while you're at it, um, please log on to racetech.com. If you need any suspension stuff, buy some things. Um, I would really, really, really appreciate it. And if you want, you can mention Big MX Radio. And Brad didn't know I'm doing that, but mention Big MX Radio and there'll be a, a slight discount there for you. So that we'll know nice. you came from this podcast. And if you listened this far to all of the ranting and raving, thank you very much. I've had a blast. I cannot wait for Saturday night. Saturday night, it all goes down. Checkers, do appreciate that. Anyone who is listening to the Big MX Radio podcast and uh, goes on over to uh, Race Tech, 
uh, whether it's uh, suspension tuning engines, they do a great job with that. They're working with the solitaire guys to get some whole shots and supercross this year. And uh, for you two, for uh, for giving me the time today, as well as uh, back and forth on text messages and the 450 preview that we did, that was, in my opinion, my humble opinion, the most in-depth analysis of the entire class, tip to tail, that you can find on the internet. We did a great job with that. So if you guys are watching this or listening to that uh, or listening to this, you'll probably want to watch that as well. So, boys, I really do appreciate it. Thank you, Denny for the time and uh, same thing with checkers. Thank you very much. And uh, whether you're uh, writing inspirational quotes on the whiteboard or, uh, or just telling me that I'm just flat dead wrong. I appreciate it all the same. Happy New Year's everybody. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Love it. Have a good night. And out. Once again, I can't thank those guys enough for coming on the show. And thank you guys for listening to the Big MX Radio podcast. This was a very fun episode. And uh, and huge thanks to Chris Riesenberg from Race Tech for offering a discount to anyone who mentions Big MX Radio. Uh, if you need suspension work, engine work, you name it. Those guys do a fantastic job. And uh, you're going to save some money if you mention Big MX Radio when doing uh, getting your stuff done from Race Tech. So uh, hit those guys up. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this podcast. Have yourself a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening.